Hello, it is Overreaction Monday, October 26th. What NFL teams are dead? Which teams are thriving? What players are in? What players are out? We'll cover all of that massive show today. We got Killer Trav, Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs, fresh off an ass beating of the Broncos in the snow, joining us today. Ian Rappaport, fresh off a suspension. Wow. Because he was selling, um, you know, Items that make you trim up around uh, the bush and trees a little bit better. Off, uh, We'll talk to him about news happening in the world. Also have Darius Butler to make some picks for tonight's game over under on passing yards. Matt Hasselbeck, A.J. Hawk. What a day we have here on this October 26th. Freaking loaded show. It's a loaded show, and I want to let you know that there's something else that is loaded in this country, and it shouldn't be. What's that? Housebreaking. <laughs> Good transition, Pat. Thank you. Every 26 seconds, there's a break-in in this country. But with Simply Safe Home Security, you can protect your whole home around the clock. It's serious, lasting protection. And all it takes is a simple 30-minute setup. You even get a free security camera when you protect your home today. More on that in a second. Simply Safe is an award-winning arsenal of sensors and security cameras that blanket every inch of your home. Like a snuggie. Yeah, well said. Like a, an Ugg blanket. Mm-hmm. pair of Ugg slippers. Just blankets the entire house. Mm-hmm. It's an arsenal of sensors and security cameras that are your little tag team partner in comfort at the house. You'll know you're homely. You're homely. You know your homely feel? Yeah, I know you mean. <laughs> You'll know your home and family are always safe. You set Simply Safe up yourself in just a few moments without any tools or wiring. No stupid technician or salesperson has to step foot into your home. Then, Simply Safe will monitor your home around the clock with security professionals who are there in case of an emergency to immediately send help to your home. Plus, there's no contract, no hidden fees, and no installation costs. It's why U.S. News and World Report named Simply Safe. Best overall home security of 2020. Wow. Nothing to sneeze at. Right. Nothing to sneeze at. Uh-uh. Right now, visit simplysafe.com slash McAfee and get a free security camera plus a 60-day risk-free trial with any new system order. There's nothing to lose. Why wouldn't you try? Why wouldn't you try? Go today to S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. That's simplysafe.com slash McAfee for a free security camera, which obviously is a big deal because Simply Safe operates off of uh, their security cameras. Mm-hmm. Which are incredible, by the way. We have them around the office. I'm at my house. I believe Ty has them at his house. The boys have them at their house. They just, they're just sitting there, watchdog for you, waiting, waiting, waiting. Mm-hmm. As soon as there's any movement or anything, they click on, boop, boop. automatically record everything that's going on. You just go right into your app. You'll be able to see everything that's happening. You can get notified as soon as there's movement, or it'll just pop up on your, on your app once you go in there, whatever you want. It is magical. They don't have to drill any holes in your walls. There's no weirdos coming in your house. It's not overpriced. There's no like 10 year contract you have to mm-hmm. sign. It has made home security much, much more efficient. Yep. Much, much more convenient. Mm-hmm. And much, much more affordable. Yeah. That's simplysafe.com slash MacV. Let's get to the show. 
We've learned so much about teams in the first seven weeks of the NFL season. One season that we thought would never be able to get off the ground because of a worldwide pandemic. But games are being played. Some teams are playing at the highest rate we've seen in some time. Shout out to the Steelers being the only undefeated team left. Yes, the Steelers played the Tennessee Titans and in the first half. It looked like the Pittsburgh Steelers might win by 60 to 70 points. But in the second half, and maybe it's because they played three games in 13 games or whatever, 13 days or whatever, but the Derrick Henry Tennessee Titans offense gave it one last burst. They were climbing back. They were pounding the Steelers. And then the Steelers just kept the foot on the throttle and ended up winning the damn game. Steelers are the most dominant team in the AFC. I think everybody can agree with that. They've been playing at the highest level, the most consistent throughout this entire season. That defense is going to be a goddamn problem for anybody. Not just in the AFC, in the entire NFL. The defense is unbelievable. They have a running game, obviously. But will they be able to, in the AFC chase, be able to keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs, who just beat the dog shit out of the Denver Broncos yesterday in a snow game. In Denver, in the snow, which a lot of people wouldn't think at a high-powered offense would be able to do well in the snow like the Kansas City Chiefs. Much like a Ferrari, Lambo, or any rear-wheel vehicle does in the snow. Everybody thought that that would potentially fizzle them out. But on the contrary, Patrick Mahomes has said he thinks he's a snow game guy. It, last year, whenever they played in the snow and everybody thought they were going to collapse, he was actually quoted on the sideline saying, I like this. Everybody He's moving so slow, and I just sit back there and go, his exact words, boop, boop, boop. That's how he views the NFL right now. That is how he plays the football, although he only threw for one touchdown. They had a massive game over the Denver Broncos in the AFC, and they just added Le'Veon Bell, who got a couple touches yesterday, somehow, some way, out of nowhere. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a problem, but Le'Veon Bell being added to that entire thing is awesome, and their defense is actually the story of everything. Yesterday, the Kansas City Chiefs won 0-8 on third down. The defense led them in score, er, kept Denver under 20 points. The defense Defense is great. The offense just added Lave Bell, and they are off and running on all cylinders. The AFC looks to be a two-headed race almost at this point, unless the Titans can bounce back, which everybody thinks they can. Ravens come off of a bye week. Who knows how that'll go? They play the Pittsburgh Steelers next weekend. It feels like that whole world is really cooking at the top of the AFC. At the bottom of the NFC, it appears a team has fallen into that category just almost overnight at this particular point. There was a team up in New England for 20 years. Every other year, damn near, they were in the Super Bowl. They beat everybody. They'd go to the Super Bowl. They'd come back the next year, which everybody said was impossible. They debunked so many theories in the NFL's history. They'll be talked about as the greatest dynasty ever. Then Tom Brady and... Bill Belichick got into it a little bit behind the scenes, if you read or agree with any of the stories that have come out. And Tom Brady wanted to go a different way, and Bill Belichick was going to, you know, prove that he was the greatest coach of all time without Tom Brady. Go ahead and go down to Tampa Bay, Tom. No longer Tommy fucking Foxborough. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. We'll be able to do our thing. They had Jared Stidham at quarterback, lined up to be the starting quarterback. They did not give a damn. Are we going to bring in more wide receivers because we didn't have any last year? No, no. It wasn't the wide receiver or the offense that we had. This was Tom Brady's fault for our failures last year on the offensive side of the ball. We'll be able to do this with Jared Stidham. Then, all of a sudden, they signed Cam Newton. And Cam Newton, who I thought looked to be in the best shape of his life, looked to be in the, the best mental place that he could possibly be if you want to have a, a competitive quarterback. Signs for $1 million. He's the starter. And it gets off to a hot start. They get going. We 
are seeing Bill Belichick reinvent himself with Josh McDaniels and Cam Newton in this offense. And now here we are, just a few weeks after that, in one COVID outbreak. And the New England Patriots seem to be dead. Oh, God. And I don't like to be the person that says that, but the Patriots are now under 500, at least five games into a season for the first time since 2002, says Field Yates. This is the first time the offense looks like it's lost and the defense seems like it can't stop anything. The San Francisco 49ers offense looked awesome yesterday. Jimmy G looked dominant. Debo Samuel, they are moving the rock. The 49ers scored five times at one point and Cam Newton had only completed six passes it is the complete opposite of what the New England Patriots have been for so so long and to be honest it almost hurts my heart to watch Ooh. now granted a lot of people are celebrating and dancing on this particular fact that the Patriots are dead and a lot of Patriots fans are kind of miserable about the whole thing but what we have seen in New England was awesome for a long long time mm. and now it seems like there is just a very very new chapter in the NFL's AFC story. Will that get clipped later for a freezing cold take? <laughs> Potentially. And that's why I will never bet against the Patriots because I've been on the other sideline against the Patriots and lost by like 900 points. Bill Belichick somehow always wins when he's not supposed to win. Josh McDaniels always figures it out in the offensive side. And Ernie, the guy that's up in the sky, who's looking at, uh, you know, formation signals, whatever the hell he's looking at, it seems like they have football figured out this year for whatever reason. It's just not working. And it's not just Cam Newton, right? Cam Newton, obviously, since COVID, has been a very different quarterback. It's almost like COVID stole his joy, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't look like he's happy. Mm -hmm. You know those videos early from the season whenever he was dancing? Ah, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Killing it. Ah, ah, ah. Skipping, doing the whole thing. Then he'd get on the game. Same thing. Even if he wasn't playing his best, he was having a good time. Looks like those days are long gone now. Will he be able to find his joy again post-COVID? Jeff Garcia chewed him out. Wild. Wild. I mean, there's a lot of things that he said in there that people really, you know, took uh, – in a fashion that was negative about old Jeff Garcia. I'm not sure what he said helped him out more so uh, than helped Cam Newton out, but he went after uh, Cam Newton for the way he dresses and he's not playing well and you need not dress like that. And Jeff Garcia, by the way, has been on our show like three or four times. Always a good conversation with us. Whenever that video hit the internet, I was like, damn, I did not know this was like what Jeff Garcia would do. I did not expect that to come out there. But Cam Newton said, you know what? You're right. I agree with him. He's right. I'm not going to change the way I close, but I haven't been playing the way that I should play if I want to be Cam Newton or whatever the hell he said. Cam Newton took the high road. Very nice of him to do that. Let's cause no drama here. I agree with him. I'm keeping moving. Jeff Garcia went after him. And the reason why everybody now has turned to how Cam Newton's performing and how the New England Patriots are performing is because if you watched a game in the desert last night in a place called the Death Star, there's a quarterback playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that looks better than he has ever looked in his entire career at this point. There's a guy who's 43 years old who eats avocado ice cream who has just been dominant, not only in like the dinks and dunks, which everybody thought was all he could do with running backs uh, at, at New England because they only really gave him one good deep threat if you look through his entire roster of wide receivers at New England. Hmm. Randy Moss was the only guy he really ever had, really. Really, that was a super deep threat. Is that right, Connor? Uh, AB for a game last year, but yeah, yes. Randy Moss. <laughs> so maybe we're getting a chance to see Tom Brady be even better than he was in New England because this is the first time where he just has a 
plethora of weapons. He's overdosing on talent around him on the offensive side of the ball. Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, and he have crafted that offense into B1 that Tom loves. A lot of play action in there. Bruce Arians loves to do the seven-step drop. Hold my dick. I'm going to throw the ball as hard as I can. Tom Brady's like, we can't be doing that. I'm not getting hit like that. It's kind of transformed a little bit. Now they're finding people that I'd never even heard of. Rob Gronkowski's all the way back. The offensive line seems to be protecting. Chris Godwin just scored a tutty yesterday that was awesome where he screamed, let's fucking go right into a microphone on the side of the field. Then Tom Brady comes over and yells the same exact thing. That team seems to be really, Mike Evans didn't get targeted a lot yesterday, drew a couple fouls, but he's that's going to be a part of it. Whenever Mike Evans gets doubled or whatever happens, okay, now we got Godwin, now we got, by the way, now Gronk. Gronk is going to start getting covered because everybody's realizing it's the same Gronk. So now Godwin, Evans, and potentially Antonio Brown, LeGarrette Blunt, uh, uh, Levy, no, not Le'Veon Bell, LeSean McCoy, I think, is still on that team down mm-hmm. there. Uh, Rojo's down there. He is dominant. And if you're a Patriots fan, I want to let you know, watching Tom Brady do this is probably tough. It's probably no fun because there was – a chance that the Patriots could have brought Tom back, everybody's thinking. And maybe that could have been settled years ago. And now you have to watch him basically at his new home, play football almost better than he ever played for you, uh, see that he's enjoying himself down there. And I'm going to tell you, he's probably going to win the Super Bowl too. If, if, if history is even Ooh. ever told, and I'm just telling you from personal experience here, because I had to do that with Peyton Manning. You see, with Peyton, whenever he left, he, he, got, he, got, he got cut by the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts cut Peyton Manning. There was a whole press conference, you know, hey, I appreciate my time here. I'm going to be a free agent, the whole thing. And everybody in the building was like, oh, they just cut Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning just got cut in the NFL. That is wild. What's going to happen next? And then it's like, well, we got Andrew Luck. He's the quarterback of the future, the next phenom. And he was and all that. But while we did get the future and the phenom and a guy that was very, very, very good, there was just a highlight reel happening in Denver every fucking weekend. He threw 55 touchdowns in one season over there, something that had never been done before. He looked like he was better than he's ever been. He was running and scrambling. and throw- Gay went to a couple Super Bowls. He won one. And we just had to sit there and be like, yes, Andrew Luck is awesome. We love Andrew Luck. But also, for those of us that were here beforehand, we knew that that some bitch still had years left. We knew that he could still play football, but business gets in the way, had to cut him. He goes on. So if you're a Patriot fan, you probably know, like, we knew Tom still had great football left in him. We knew he was going to be unbelievable, but we're a Bill Belichick town. And now you're watching just the Patriots go the opposite direction and Tom go this direction. And it just feels like he's not just looking like he's 30 years old again, all the stats say he is, he's playing like it's 2007 again. Mm. Is the avocado ice cream and the, the pliability and all that bullshit, is it just, is it like Benjamin Button? It is, oh. perhaps. In 2007, at the age of 30, he had a 70% completion percentage at this point. 9.1 yards per attempt, 122.6 pass rating. Holy shit, this guy is crushing it. Not bad. What a year this is, they're saying, at the age of 30. You start, now at the age of 43 in 2020, old Tommy Foxborough is 72% completion, 2% better. 9.4 yards per attempt, 0.3 yards further, which would be a foot. Shout out to me. <laughs> and 123 <laughs> Passer rating, which is better than his passer rating whenever he was 30 years old. That team just added Antonio Brown. The defense 
Uh, I mean, Derek Carr didn't have that bad of a game, to be honest with you, but the defense did ultimately dominate the offense. It's just the way that team is shaping, it looks like the Patriots fans are going to have to just watch that for probably the next couple years, it feels like. The way the commentators were talking about it is like, yeah, he signed a two-year deal, but he might play till he's 50 or something. <laughs> if you have to sit for another seven years watching that, that could be tough. But this is the exact same feeling that Colts fans had when Peyton left, when we knew he could still play, we knew the whole thing. This is the same exact situation. And no, he only played a few more years and the wheels eventually came off. That team became a defense-led team. But for the first couple of years over there, we are just watching Peyton Manning lead another AFC franchise right to the Super Bowl. And it was wild. You guys are going to have to do it. It's going to be the NFC. But that's the way the cookie crumbles sometime. I still yep. have faith that Belichick will be able to bring the Patriots back. I will never bet against them. But those are the big storylines from the weekend. There's some other shit that happened. Kyler Murray gets a big dub on Sunday Night Football at, at home against Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. And the story might be of that game that Russell Wilson threw three interceptions in a Sunday Night Football mm. game on the road in the division. But I don't think that's an accurate storyline. Russell Wilson was awesome last night. Absolutely awesome. And I think that's why stats can sometimes get a little, you know, twisted or, or kind of shaped in any story that you want to tell. Russell threw three picks last night, which I don't think he's ever done before, or maybe hasn't in a long, long time, whatever it is. And he looked dominant last night. They should have won that game numerous times. Us cards bettors were sitting there thinking, I'm not 100% sure we're going to be able to pull this off. <laughs> I didn't know why I thought that the cards were going to be able to do what they did. But Kyler Murray, that offense, that defense, which did get picked apart quite a few times by no fault of their own. Russell Wilson was dropping balls literally into baskets. But Kyler Murray, that Arizona Cardinals team, Cliff Kingsbury, he had to make a lot of decisions late that a lot of people were questioning uh, on the internet. He ends up getting a win against the Seahawks, and now the Cardinals are right in it in the greatest division in football right now, which is the NFC West. They should be absolutely thrilled with where they're headed. Great Sunday night football game. I stayed up until the very end of it. I was like, damn, it's getting late. Damn, it's getting late. Wow, this game is awesome, though. It was an incredible weekend of football that we have to talk about, and we got to get to all of it. Joining me, at Tone Diggs with the hat. Great gambling weekend. It felt like all the it felt like almost all the public money won this weekend, which is good news for everybody. Yeah, I think uh, so. You were five and zero on, on Hammer Down. No, we do. Barty was three and zero. Gumpy, Gumpy was five one. I was four and one. Probably just the hottest gambling show on earth. I imagine. Wow. Jeez. See, wow. whenever whenever I heard about those stats uh, from everybody, and I saw it on Twitter at Hammer Don D A H N, I saw how good of a weekend everybody had. I was like. Oh, that just must be everybody won this weekend. That has to be the case. But our show, if people want to say uh, everybody won or whatever, cool, we're just going to continue to do (laughs) that. It feels like we are very, very hot right now. It feels like everything's kind of getting figured out. What teams are what teams? Who's what? And I feel like at Hammer Don, which is on Monday, Thursday, Friday, some good fucking picks coming out of there. If you're trying to get a little bit of money. Now, listen, only bet what you want to lose or whatever. You know, you got to act like it's casino money. But we're making people a lot of fucking money. I saw a guy that parlayed like eight of our picks that all hit yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Guy made over like 700 bucks, 800 bucks or something like that. It's like, let's go. Let's make money for the people, Ton. People were trying to tell you that, that everyone won? That's what happened? Yeah, I felt like oh, I got funny. some tweets. Like, like oh, 86% well. of the money was was on the Seahawks. Ooh. Losers. And 89% of the money was on the Titans. <laughs> Losers. I don't, I don't think they covered it. I can't believe that, by the way. Everybody was talking about how the Steelers didn't play anybody. 
you have no idea who they are or whatever. Those people didn't watch any of the Steelers games, I don't think, going uh-huh. into that. Because when you watch that defense live and you get to watch it week in, week out, and then you watch other games, you're like, oh, this defense is a lot different than everybody else. And I thought they were going to be able to, you know, withstand the Derrick Henry onslaught. Uh-huh. And there was a couple times where I thought, oh, no, Derrick Henry got to him because they'll just keep feeding him. Second half, they feel like you're tired and beat up and you still got to be able to tackle him. But that defense is a game changer, an absolute game changer. And I assume the Titans and Steelers will play each other again at some point down the road. But that that defense is unbelievable right now. Yeah, he had the second lowest rushing total in his last 16 games. I think Tannehill threw for 220, and I think 80 of it came on one play to A.J. Brown. Defense played really well. Special teams had a huge punt return. Ben looked good. I mean, he gave the ball to them a couple times because he felt bad for him, but other than that, it was nah, that's, that's kind of what Russell Wilson did last yeah, night. Yeah. It felt like that's what Russell Wilson was doing. Three picks out of Russ last night. And I got a bunch of people tweeting me like, oh, that's all you're going to talk about. It's like, to be honest, while watching, I didn't even realize it was really three until I saw him throw one, and I was like, I think that's his fucking second interception. And then the third, I was like, oh, that is his third interception or whatever. The one where Patrick Peterson got in the corner, I thought that was a stupid play. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think he was trying to throw that away. It might have been a broken play, and it was kind of a miss. So that one was done. The one where he had to get it over the linebacker, and he just floated it too much, and Buda Baker mm-hmm. got it. And then DK Metcalf. Oh. DK Metcalf. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe the most awesome thing I've seen on a football field in a long time. Long, long time. You can get big plays and everything like that. DK Metcalf deciding – it was almost – I think Julio Jones did this a couple years Mm -hmm. back. It was almost like – I think Pierre Garçon, too, whenever – uh, we were playing back in like 2012. Somebody said, hey, this reminds me of Pierre in the year. And I do remember Pierre chased one down and punched the ball out. Of, I think it was against the Patriots. It was awesome. Like it was one of those moments. Anytime a wide receiver uh, just like tries on those plays or a quarterback tries, you're always like, okay, a big hit's going to come. That DK Metcalf walk, hawk of Buda Baker was awesome. I mean, that was just, and Buda Baker said, hey, he hawked me, man, respect. Like, there ain't nothing you could do because there's nothing Buda could do. That was fucking cool. And then obviously no points come of that. So it's massive. Good for DK Metcalf with one of the coolest things I've ever seen and in I, my entire life. I saw Buda ran like a four four five at the combine. So he's not slow. Like DK is just an absolute freak. Yeah. Yeah. He is not slow. <laughs> Buda Baker is a savage, though, that guy. Mm-hmm. At Boston Connor, good to see you. The Patriots seem to be dead, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is what it is, two and four. Whatever Bill wants to do, let's just follow Bill. How about so, how about oh. watching Tom, though? Is that interesting? Uh, it is interesting. I'm honestly, at this point, just glad he has an offense that actually you know, mimics oh, his talent because wow. even if he was on the see? Patriots, I don't know if he could help because our wide receivers are that bad. Yeah, see, that's very interesting you say that because, you know, I, I guess that's kind of what we thought with Denver. It was like, you know what? They seem to be running the same offense as us up there, but – He's just throwing touchdowns every time he throws the fucking ball at this point. (laughs) You know, you just got to sit there and take it, I guess. But that Tampa team, I think, is only getting better. Mm -hmm. Like, I think Mm -hmm. they're only getting better. Adding Antonio Brown, are you thinking, like, oh, no, if it's not broke, why are we trying to fix it? What the fuck? This could be catastrophic. I don't think that. I think that locker room is like, hey, here we are. We're playing football. We're winning a Super Bowl here. And hopefully Antonio Brown's the same way. And Bruce Arians, we have a clip of it. We'll listen to it here in a little bit, uh, probably on the other side of the Travis Kelsey interview we have in four minutes, which means we have to get to a break now. Uh, he basically said, like, hey, if what he did was true, we're, we'll, he'll, the court case will figure it out. Yeah. He, it's coming up. He'll be gone. Which, by the way, if he's guilty, I think everybody in the NFL and ever is like, hey, justice should be served mm-hmm. as hard and punished as possible. Mm-hmm. And if not, okay, let's move on and see if he can not be a complete disaster in a locker room like he has been the last couple of years. stops that he had. Because in Pittsburgh for a long time, a lot of success. Oh, yeah. ton. With Tom there for one week, a lot of success. It was awesome. Who knows how this is going to go, but they're only going to get better. Good for them. 
Joining us now is a man who, I'll tell you what, might be the most fashionable human I've ever mm -hmm. seen in my entire oh, life. Yeah. Yesterday, or yeah, two days ago, coming off a plane, he was wearing an outfit that might have been the nicest outfit I've ever seen in my life, and also most expensive outfit <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, a man who's been around for a long, long time, one of the greatest tight ends of all time, I think we can say at this point, mm -hmm. sure. from the undefeated, nope, not undefeated, they lost to the Raiders, but you uh, get it, Kansas City, the reigning champions, hell yeah. Ch hell yeah. Kansas City Chiefs, ladies and gentlemen, Travis Kelsey. Yeah. How are you, man? Hey, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. I'm a big fan of the show. I'm just, uh, I'm happy to, to be sitting here talking to the boys, man. No, we are thrilled to have you on here, brother. The goatee is fantastic. You got the hair on the top at this point. I do, oh, yeah. I do, yeah. oh, that's like the, uh, I think I saw a pinky ring on you the other day, a couple chains. Oh, yeah. You got to keep that pinky ring, uh, you baby. Come on, need it. Uh, <laughs> what has this year been like for you, Trav? It looks like you guys are enjoying the hell out of this whole thing, being the target on everybody's minds every single week. Um, I mean, just attacking the day. I mean, we know what we have in the building, and that's a, that's a Super Bowl caliber team. It is what it is, man. We, uh, we, we feel confident with the pieces that we have, uh, as well as the, the new additions that we just got in 2-6, uh, in Lev Bell coming, coming through and just uh, coming in with energy. Energy and, and a whole lot of swagger, man, and it just it juices everybody. You know how swagger is contagious, man, and, uh, and, we, and we just keep building this beast. Especially in the middle of the season here, we're far enough into the season, especially with all these COVID protocols where you can't see the beginning and the light at the end of the tunnel is still very, very far away. Uh, so having a new guy come in with a lot of energy, I didn't even think about that potentially being a big benefit in the locker room. Have you gotten a chance, obviously, to get to know him yet? Did you guys know him whenever he came in? And what were the immediate thoughts? Um, well, I knew him just from, uh, just from being, all, being around the league and playing the Steelers uh, so much. Um, one of my friends actually played with him at Michigan State, so I ended up uh, kind of having a mutual friendship with him. And uh, as he came here into Kansas City, I mean, it was uh, you could see it in the first walkthrough, man. The guy was excited. He's ready to learn. Uh, there's a lot to learn in this offense uh, because Coach Reed can put you in so many different places. So it's, uh, it's for him to be a professional, just come in ready to learn like a rookie in the building, like a, like a, like a first-year guy, man, just, uh, just excited to be around. Um, a winning football team, man. It's uh, it's definitely been a blessing to see that, and it's refreshing, man. You see, you see, kind of the same guys every single week, and it, and it, and it kind of get caught up in the routine of things. And when you get to get that uh, that little sprinkle of a new magic, man, it's uh, it, it's fun. Yeah, what is that offense that you refer to? Because it feels like Andy Reid. Okay, he goes to a dry race board. And he gets like a blue, a red, a green, whatever it is. And he just, because of how many weapons you guys have, like so all the weapons you guys have so much, so many explosive players. And we'll talk about how the fuck you guys are keeping them all on the team still. We'll talk about that at some <laughs> point, including yourself. Congrats on the new contract. You deserve it. But it feels like he just goes over $100 million earned, by the way, through your NFL career. Still gotta earn it, baby. Still gotta earn it. Mm, yeah, yeah. But those Louis boots, those Louis boots come with. They were comfortable. Yeah. Well, they kept my toes warm in the weather out there. I'm not gonna lie. Hey, this outfit right here. Uh, if we had to guess price on it. <laughs> Oh, man, I can't even, I can't even, I, you know, I, I can't look at price tags, man. I just go for <laughs> That's my boy. Can't hide it. It's one of the nicest outfits I've ever seen in my entire life, being 100% candid. And then you You're got, a big leather pants guy? I love it. leather pants guy? Thing? Love it. Love what you got. I would never wear it, but other humans wearing it. I'm a big fan. 
then you have the then you have like the fifty cent mask on though. That was the only thing we thought you should have had. Like maybe a you know what I mean? Like a. Uh, I always screw up with the mask. I don't know what it is. I just take the one that's like closest to me. Yeah. And usually it's just a box of ones as you're leaving the facility. Yeah. You know, you just grab a blue one. You just keep it going. I got to get. You're right. I do. I have to get better with the mask. Yeah. Just, it always just throws it off. Yeah. This just outfit. Look at the. Out- I mean, this is like an award-winning costume you have on here, hopping off the plane, <laughs> like greatest costume, game day costume of all time. And then the mask is like, okay, all right, we can get that mask at uh, CVS right down here on the street. But other than that, Travis, wait, thank you for remaining humble with the mask. But let's get back to this offense. You guys have so many weapons. I feel like Andy Reid just goes to a dry race board and just starts drawing different routes for everybody. Do you guys have to memorize concepts? Do you have to, like, what is, what goes into that offense? Because it feels like you guys have a never-ending supply of plays. It's almost like a new play can be created on a spot. Oh, yeah. That's, and that's exactly what it is. Uh, um, you'll see a lot of different variations of concepts, um, kind of mix, mix matching uh, certain concepts together. Uh, but for the most part, it's, uh, it's just it's a new game plan every single week. So you, gotta, you, you really have to lock in uh, Monday through, through Saturday on, on trying to you know, stay in tune with, the, with why we're calling the plays, why we're doing things like this. Because uh, the one thing Coach Reed does is unbelievable is he matches, he matches up everything. So you'll get you'll get the same formation um, with about five different routes and five different uh, variations of what we're doing within that within the, that that certain set of formations. Um, and you know it just it takes off. It, it puts you what it does for you as a player is it puts you in a position to succeed. It, it makes the guy across from you have to play um, reactionary football. And if you're and if you're on your p's and q's and you're and you're doing the fundamentals the right way, you're working on your your stuff throughout the week. Um, you know what I mean? It, it sets you up to have success on Sundays, and that's why you love Coach Reed and this, uh, this offensive uh, scheme. Well, then you guys added in this power game where it's like we'll ground and pound if we have to with uh, CEH or whatever. It, was, oh, that, was that something you think that Andy and you guys did a little self-scout on the offense? It was like, hey, we also have to be able to ground and pound this thing out and be able to have that attitude, or was it just like this Clyde guy – is a fucking animal. Like we should think about getting this guy the ball as much as possible. Or does it open up everything else, or all things in, that I just said there? It's exactly what you just said. I mean, what it does for for the offensive linemen. You know what I mean? They can come off the ball and not have to worry about pass setting and and trading off blocks and stuff like that. They can just come off the ball and maul a dude and create a new line of scrimmage. Um, what that does for them is it puts them in a way easier, way better uh, situation throughout the course of the game when we do have to throw the ball. Uh, in a two-minute drill or, or, or towards the end of the game when we have to run the ball. You know, it gives them that, 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 that grit, gritty mentality uh, just coming off the ball and mauling dudes. And uh, at the end of the day, you're going to have to run the ball in the, uh, in the NFL. You know what I mean? This game has changed a lot in terms of how much, uh, how much we pass. But at the end of the day, uh, you're going to have to run the, get, run the ball to win a football game. And, uh, and getting that going is, is always, you know what I mean, is always key. I haven't been paying attention enough. Are you out there throwing your body around? You big blocking tight end right now? I got to, man. This is a team game, man. I'm out here. Dude, we, got, we got goons in the back. <laughs> they can take it to the house. So how can you not get excited about, about blocking uh, for the guys in the backfield um, and just trying to be a more accountable football player altogether? You know what I mean? Being open for Pat. Uh, when another guy gets, the, gets a pass or – Catches a pass, you know. You're trying to find an extra body, uh, and just, just just trying to always, you know, be there for my teammates, man. I think uh, I think over the course of my career, I haven't shown enough of that, and uh, and this year, without a doubt, I'm definitely trying to 
throw my body around a little bit more and show everybody I'm a complete football player, man. How much does winning the Super Bowl change everything? Like workouts, does it change any? Like the, the knowledge that your team can win it is one that is very powerful to have. I think going into workouts, is it that big of a change in a factor? You think after winning it, it's like we've got a chance to taste it. Now let's do it again. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it was always, I mean, I, for my seven years here, we were kind of the, the little brother to a lot of teams in the AFC. Uh, and I hate to say that. It, it burns me to say that. But uh, it is what it is. And we just couldn't get over the hump. And then we got this guy, Patty Mahomes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we became the favorites. And uh, every, everybody expects us to be great on every single, on every single play. And uh, winning the Super Bowl, that just, it, it boosts your level of confidence. I mean, you walk in the building knowing you can fix something. You can fix whatever's wrong. Or uh, you can keep getting better and still be, you know, at the top of the top of the league, at the top of the the charts, and um, the the confidence and the leadership and the culture, everything that, that's in place here is to, is to, is set up for us to win another Super Bowl. And as long as we just keep that 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 fighting mentality, that that grit that we had last year. Uh, that we got right now, man. It's uh, it's fun. So whenever you guys made that move, that's awesome, by the way. I don't want to act like that didn't just wasn't a really cool answer. That was a cool answer. Okay, great answer there, dude. Want to let you know it was a great answer. Really good answer there. And um, something I never experienced because Drew Brees and his stupid baby beat us in the Super Bowl or whatever my rookie year. Uh, Troy Polamalu. Yeah, I mean, there's a few. Yeah. Okay. Right. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. By, by the way, I, I I'm wearing the Bearcats just to kind of reference. I don't know if you uh, if you remember the 2008. Uh, West Virginia okay. Cincinnati Bearcats game. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. It was about this close yeah. from being the worst game of my life yeah. to you know what I mean. Just a fantastic finish. <laughs> yeah, Pat McAfee r- rallying the Mountaineers oh, into God. OT Dude. and then kicks what could be the game-winning field goal. Yeah, yeah in I, OT. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And then Tony Pike and the boys, man. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Pike and the boys just came came through yeah. like Cincinnati Bearcats do. And the old Big East, man. Yeah. You got to love the Big East, man. Shout out to the old school Big East. Some of the best football you've ever seen, man. Be- I agree. By the way, like four straight BCS wins back in the day. The Big East back in the day was humming. We had Louisville, Cincy, us, obviously. Uh, Rutgers back in the day had a team whenever, <laughs> whenever they were running. I mean, we had a real run there in that game you could have just gave it to me because you know the year before that i missed those kicks against Pitt. that night was like a big east championship game basically i hit an onside kick we get it 52 yarders send it to overtime 40 some yarder oh my god jeez i've never seen fans i mean you guys were down 20 with like four minutes left yeah i've never seen fans leave the building and come flying back in the stadium (laughs) and it was it was like it was empty for the entire fourth quarter and then with two minutes left that thing was packed to the T all over again. Yeah. It was like they said, oh, I don't care if you got a ticket. Just get back in here. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was off the wall. When you hit that that uh, that field goal to, to take it into OT, I was sitting in the stands. I had a broken foot. I was there with my family just trying to enjoy my brother playing football. I got hit with about four beer cans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in college, in college, the family sections are all, they're all right together. So Cincinnati, there's that one little side yeah. kind of by the tunnel in the corner. Yeah. Cincinnati fans, it's all family. Like the, Nobody else is really traveling the to West Virginia in college, so it's just like the entire family's just getting showered <laughs> as this game's going into OT. And I was like, I've always had an appreciation for West Virginia fans, though, man. I was I was once trying to be a Mountaineer, actually, for Bobby Huggins and the boys. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh for wow. who? I forgot how good you were yeah. at basketball. I forgot you were like a stud basketball player. I wouldn't say stud. I couldn't dribble to save my life, but I could. I could put up points. <laughs> I could put. A, I could take you in the post and, and go to work. No handles. Um, no handles at all. 
No, I mean very little. Very. I mean, there was, if I if I if I got a rebound, I was trying to push the fast break every time, and about one out of every five pushes, it would go off my knee. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know right what I mean, turnover city, but. Uh, I, yeah, I, I found my way on the field pretty quick. Well, that. I think you made the right decision. Hundred million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> wow, hey, that is a lot. But the um, I picked the Cincinnati Bearcats to be in the college football playoff this year on College Game Day. I have them going. I heard that. I heard. I got me fired up too. And I tell you what, getting inside the top ten, ranked seventh in the AP polls right now, and then just smacking SMU, right now. and then they just smacked SMU this past weekend, which was supposed to be a big time. Like Fickle's got a squad. They got like a squad over there. I'll tell you what, it's back. It's back to the days that uh, that we were running the Big East. I hate to throw that at you like yeah, that. Yeah, fuck you. Um, but it was. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's fun to just see. You know, you know what what good football is when you see guys flying around, having fun, chest bumping, ringing ringing the bells on the sidelines, doing the yeah. the interception dunks yeah. and everything. You know, what I mean, you just see guys enjoying themselves in college football. You know what teams are going to have the juice and which teams don't, man. And right now, Fickle's got the guys playing their tail off, man, and it's fun to watch. I agree completely. Let's talk about your team here while we have a couple minutes left. I appreciate it. Whenever you guys make that move from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes outside the locker room, it was wild. It was like Alex Smith just had like an MVP-like season. He was going. It was Andy Reid's uh, everybody knows Andy Reid's playbook is so big. Alex Smith is probably only going to get better in that playbook. Send him out. Okay, see you later. Not coming back. You're going to Washington. And now it's Patrick Mahomes' team. What he has been able to accomplish in such a short time is stupid. And he said on LeBron James's uh, barbershop show that he uh, he didn't start learning what, how to read a defense until like halfway through last season or something like that. <laughs> With all the offenses that you say, you like all the route concepts and how everything has to go, and now he's learning defense. Like, what is it about him in between the years that just makes him the guy? I mean, obviously he can make every throw, but in between the years, it seems like he's the guy. Yeah, and that, honestly, that's where he separates himself is the confidence. I mean, his arm is second to none. Uh, I think him and Aaron Rodgers are probably the two that can sling it the best in the league. Just uh, anywhere on the field from whether it's back foot, you know, across the, whatever throw you need, those two can make it. Uh, but what separates Pat is his is his mentality, man. Uh, as soon as the game's over on Sunday, he, he's in the building Monday. I just saw him two seconds ago walking around trying to get better. Um what he does in terms of preparation, uh, we you talked about it, you touched on uh, how he said he didn't know how to how to read defenses. I think it's uh, I think it was a little bit exaggerated. I mean, I'm pretty sure he could look at the film and see whether it was a two high safety or a one high safety and go from there. But I think it's more so uh, being confident in what he's seeing and, and what that is is it's a lot of work. It's a lot of it's a lot of repetition. It's a lot of film watching. Uh, being confident in what you're seeing out there on the field so you can make the right instinctual decisions because you don't got a whole lot of time to think back there as a quarterback once the ball snapped. you got to start making instinctual decisions. And uh, his instincts, I mean, you want to talk about some of the best the game has ever seen in terms of throwing the ball. Uh, I'm going to say it right now. He's the best in the game at doing that. Oh, oh, you know, tomorrow morning, there's going to be a lot of sports talk shows that go, Travis Kelsey says that Patrick Mahomes is the best instinctive quarterback in the NFL. Do you agree or disagree? Well, I disagree with that, motherfucker. And then the other one, I completely agree with him. That's classic TV. What do you got, Uh Mr. Kelsey, uh, you are technically, and I think everybody can agree, the best tight end of the game. And yesterday was National Tight End Day. So my question for you is, oh, did Patrick yeah. Mahomes get you like a car or a jet ski because he just got half a billion dollars or yeah. what? Yeah, what was the gift? For tight end what, day. He got me he got me the best gift you can give a tight end on National Tight End Day, and that's a fucking W. Yeah! 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 
That's no, right. I, it, it, it's the best, man. I, I, I just say shout out to George Kittle because when he started the National Tight End Day, I did not think he was going to run like this, and they <laughs> turned it into literally a national holiday because it, we were all tight ends all over the league. We're all over the, the internet, all over social media, catching touchdowns. Uh, getting praised, and uh, you know, I think it's just awesome for the position, uh, knowing that we've always kind of been that that secondary, you know, position. Whether it's getting paid or getting the recognition, uh, the tight end group has always just been the, you know, let's just be the utility guys. If you need us, we're here for you to make it right. Um, and it's cool to see us finally starting to get a little love. Travis, the tight end position, I would assume seven years ago was nowhere near valued what it is now. It was probably like a couple, you have a blocking tight end and then you have a pass-catching tight end. Now it's become this hybrid position where it's, you're, you're damn near a wide receiver some games, and then obviously you're in there throwing your body. At what point did you realize, like, okay, the tight end's about to become one of the most valuable positions in football? Like, did you see it coming as the game was changing a little bit? It was, uh, it was one year, man. It was 2011. You had the the Jimmy Graham and the the Rob Gronkowski. They were just going back and forth every single week of just breaking each other's records. Um, both had over a thousand yards and like I think over ten touchdowns. And that's when it really it really took off because you had these huge physical specimens just running through, running over, jumping over defenses, catching the ball, and it became such a such an unbelievable weapon that everybody was talking about. It. Everybody was raving about it. And um, from that point on, I think the tight end position just been used completely different. I think the athletes have always been there. You look at Kellen Winslow Sr. Um, he was an unbelievable athlete back in the day. Um, guy like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, those guys were unbelievable athletes. I don't think the athlete has changed much. I just think the, the accountability and how much we're being used more in the offense uh, has gone up. And, you know, that's uh, in my position. That shout out to Coach Andy Reid uh, for dialing up, dialing up the plays for me. But um, I think it's, uh, it's it just keeps going from here. And uh, it's, such a, it's such a unique position because you got size and speed. Uh, it's like being that, that dual forward. You can, if, if you're a power forward, you're not quite a, a power forward. You're not quite a wing forward in basketball. You're just that guy that if the guy's bigger than you, you can take him out to the wing. If he's smaller, you can take him down to the post. But you always have an advantage. And, uh, you know, that's what I love about being in the position. Well, you do it really well, man. <laughs> you know, you're really, really good. I love it, man. I yeah. love it. Hundred million dollars, dude. You gotta be kidding me. Playing man. football, bro. Wow. Playing football, dude. Yeah, that's, uh, it's pretty, it's for, very fortunate. Very fortunate. And you know what, you know, I have, uh, who I have to thank is, um, Mick Cronin. You know, Mick Cronin is, a, he's a college basketball coach for UCLA now, but he was a college basketball coach at Cincinnati. Kind of a little head. Oh, yeah. yeah uh-huh. Kind of has like a little head, right? If I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah fire, fiery guy, man. Yeah. Fiery guy. Uh, yeah. He told me I tried to play basketball my senior year. Um, after after my senior year of football happened and the draft was coming around, I was like, man, I, I just don't want to live down playing in the Big East and possibly playing in Madison Square Garden in the Big East tournament, man. I just don't want that to pass me by and have regrets of it. And he looked at me and said, no, you're about to go you're about to go make millions in the NFL. I'm not. There's no way I'm letting you play for, play basketball. <laughs> I, I still hate him to today because I uh, I ended up going to the Kansas City Chiefs that year, and I don't know if it would have been the same if I would have played. All right, here's the deal. You run out Madison Square Garden. We'll get our five. You get your five. You fucking play basketball. Oh, in there. <laughs> Let's go, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, la- ladies and ladies and gentlemen. One day after National Tight End Day, tight end of the day for us. 
From the Kansas City Chiefs in the University of Cincinnati Bearcat, Travis Kelsey. Thank you. Let's go, Kelsey! Fellas, anytime, man. Appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you again. Good luck. You know it. You know it. Thank you. Good dude. Mm -hmm. Legend. That's our first real conversation. Like, we've had conversations on field, dap up, how's it going? Fanny, follow you, follow, appreciate you, that type mm-hmm. of thing, interaction. Then Monday Night Football, whenever they played the Rams uh, in L.A., oh, yeah. Yeah. I was there, like, the greatest Monday Night Football game of all time. Mm-hmm. I was walking around the field or whatever. He caught a pass, like, right in front of me. He had some um, some feathers in his cleats or something. I, they were awesome looking or whatever. And I look, I was like, those cleats are awesome. And he said something about, he referenced something in my life that I had just done. I'm like, oh my God. He was like, yeah, yeah, how are you? We had a full embrace on the sideline. This was right in front of like 10 ESPN executives or whatever. There's a bunch of people all around there. And then he just leaves or whatever. I was like, God damn. These people have to be so confused why this guy with a sleeveless hoodie on over here is <laughs> just getting all these conversations. But he's been very nice to me, always has been. And that conversation with him was awesome. I'm a big fan of Travis Kelsey. Yeah. He's very good at the football. I had no right. idea he was also very good at the basketball, aside from dribbling. Well, he can't dribble for shit, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> the guy can play basketball or whatever. Post moves. Diggs wanted me to uh, <laughs> yeah. tell him about my formation I have with Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, to the left of Patrick Mahomes and then uh, Le'Veon Bell to the right of Patrick Mahomes and then Tyreek Hill behind <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I didn't want to suggest that to him. He was- because, no, because I didn't want Andy Reid to think it was anybody else's idea other than his. I'd assume he already has that some <laughs> bitch drawn up. You know what I mean? I'm sure he already has it. And if he thinks somebody else is already thinking about it, I don't want to ruin it potentially. True. So sorry to interrupt. I want to let you know about something that's in my life every single day. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all of our lives every single day, it seems like. I've always been a homebody. Well, not always. I parted ways with my party days and i've become a homebody mm-hmm. and i think uh the whole entire world was obviously forced to become homebodies so they've gotten a chance to really experience what i've been doing here for the last year and a half two years sure food being brought to your house is oh. awesome it is a delicacy last night my lady and i had a steak from local high-end steak place mm-hmm. she had mashed potatoes i had asparagus uh, i had a little crab on top whatever you, the hell you call it on sure. top of the steak mm-hmm. little little delivered right to the door warm ready to go all of a sudden we got a four course meal at the house don't even have to get out of my sunday comfortable ass house shorts and sleeveless hoodie clothes nothing better than that company that's been doing that for me at least on a consistent fashion, timely fashion, accurate order fashion, Mm -hmm. is our friends at DoorDash. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list, don't you? Oh, yeah. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You want Chinese? Bingo. You want pizza? Got it. You want some Froyo? There it is. They're even doing some grocery stores on there now if you really want to go ahead and dive in on the milk or eggs or anything else you could potentially need. Oh, yeah. Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands and thousands 
of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with your friends at DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off setting. This is awesome, I will say. Game changer. This is awesome. Before quarantine, whenever you do this, there was always a little moment where you had to go out, meet the driver. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. All right, have a good day. And listen, the drivers have always been very courteous and very nice. But now that it's just expected, hey, we'll leave it on your front door and then we'll get the hell out of here. It is awesome. It really is incredible. I mean, I don't know how they hadn't thought of it before, but I'm glad they got it now. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Cheesecake Factory, Burger King, McDonald's, Arby's. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, listeners of this show can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code McAfee. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code McAfee. Don't forget... That's code M-C-A-F-E-E for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Also, big shout out to DoorDash. You guys have been helping me out a lot. A lot, a lot. I love DoorDash. And now all the food, because of the quarantine, is stapled. The bags are all stapled shut. They're closed. It's just, it's a game changer in this Mm -hmm. whole world. Shout out to DoorDash. Shout out to you. Back to the show. Joining us now on Overreaction Monday, October 26th, is a man who played in the NFL for a long, long time. 18 years, actually, in the NFL. Three-time pro bowler, quarterback, Matt Hasselback. How's it going, bud? What's up, guys? Appreciate that 18-year. Every time, Pat, I appreciate the 18, because a lot of people who just Wikipedia me, who don't really know me, they say 17. Wrong. But as I've told you, that first year was 17 Mm -hmm. games on the practice squad with the Green Bay Packers. My position coach, Andy Reid, said, listen, there's no room for you here as a quarterback, but I will let you be on the practice squad and be in the quarterback rooms if you can play scout team tight end every day and block Reggie White. And I said... Sign me up when I was 12 and Pop Warner. I played tight end. I'm good to go. <laughs> How'd it go, by the way? Reggie White just eats you for uh, for lunch every day? Or, uh... he, was a, he was a very um, nice guy. He'd be like, listen, I'm going to sit here for 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000. Then I'll dishrag you to the ground. Make sure you don't roll up on any of my teammates. Said, yes, sir. That's very nice. Uh, 18-year NFL vet, a man who's played multiple positions, including quarterback, holder, and tight end in the NFL, people forget. Matt, last night you watched Russell Wilson throw three picks. The Seattle Seahawks lose to the Arizona Cardinals in a game that we all thought is a game that the Seahawks normally win. And the storyline today could have been the Arizona Cardinals are getting better. They're a good team, but Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. Instead, some, you know, luck, I think, played in there. But the Cardinals get a big win. Russell Wilson now is being talked about having three picks. What happened over there? That defense looks like they can't stop a thing. You were a member of the Seahawks for a long, long time. What are your thoughts on the current state of affairs going on over there? 
Listen, always great games between those two teams, especially down there. People may, may or may not know this, but there's a lot of uh, people from Seattle who now live in like Scottsdale or live in Phoenix or whatever. So at least it was my experience every time we went down there the 12s showed up, like the fans showed up. So there was a small amount of fans at that game last night. But from what I could hear on my broadcast, it sounded like there were a good amount of Seahawks fans there. But those games are always pretty epic battles with with really, you know, incredible finishes. Last night maybe was one of the greatest I've ever, I've ever seen, you know. So you go, you talk about maybe a little bit of luck. I thought really the game management, there were a lot of lessons to be learned there. Icing your own kicker was interesting. Kicking in overtime on second down was interesting. It seemed like both teams had opportunities to win the game and you know we never do this in football we do this in basketball and hockey and baseball where you play a seven game series Uh, like of all the NFL games I've ever seen I felt like that was a game I would have loved to see like a seven game series (laughs) of of those two teams going at it because I'm still not sure if we know who the better team is Arizona clearly won that one but you know there'll be another matchup later on down the road here and uh, you know it's anybody's guess but it was highly entertaining. Hey, Matt, how, I just wonder how tough it is to play like consistent winning football at the quarterback position. Like, look around, Kyler Murray. He looks, like he does things that nobody else on the planet can do at times. And other times, hey, he he forces some things and doesn't look the same. Like, how tough is it? I guess week in and week out to continue to always play at a high level. We see a lot of guys on the roller coaster. It seems like. Yeah, listen, he's playing good football, though. For a young quarterback, I've been incredibly impressed with him. He's a great thrower. He's not a good thrower. He is a great thrower. The talent that he has in terms of being a passer uh, in the NFL, I would say he's in the upper half of starting quarterbacks in the NFL as a passer. And then you marry that with he's got, you know, punt returner type speed or elusiveness when he decides to break contain and just be a runner. And then the, the, I think the probably the most impressive thing to me is he's not taking hits. Like he's, he runs more than Russell Wilson and he takes less hits than Russell Wilson. So I just think that's always been the thing with these running quarterbacks. Could they have the longevity? Uh, could they have a 10 year career running like that? And I actually think this guy can, he was, uh, he was truly really, Really, really impressive last night. And he's got great weapons. He's got a coaching philosophy that matches his skill set. These guys are uh, they are going to be good for a while. I, I just don't know if they'll be good enough this year, but uh, they're certainly in the mix. Uh, did you know that Kyler, Kyler and Russell both used to play baseball? Mm-hmm. What? Huh. Yeah, Pat, I, I thought you did know that because you would have tuned into Sunday NFL Countdown. I'll, I'll find the footage for you. We, we went back into the archives, Rex Ryan and I. We found some plays uh-huh. of these guys playing baseball. I went back personally for Russell Wilson. He played second base, Yankee. checking him out, like turning double plays, great. some oh, yeah. of the disassociation, uh-huh. lower body, upper body. But also he's with the New York strokes. Yankees now. So spring training, he's over there playing second base with the Yankees. There you go, Pat. Yeah. Get your hip open. Yeah. Get it closed. Get Ooh. It open. There you go. Disassociate. Ooh. Wow. Looking good. Looking real good. <laughs> Is that Yamansky or Tomansky? Yeah, Tommy Mansky. Mansky. But in all seriousness, you see some guys, some guys who struggle throwing the ball off platform or see some guys that if everything's not just perfect for them, they look really uncomfortable. But I would say the two things, the, the, the thing I see with these two quarterbacks is they look very comfortable in uncomfortable situations with their feet. They make it look natural. It's like if he spins around and then has to throw it, it's like, yeah, so what? I do that in the middle of the infield all the time for the New York Yankees. Not a big deal. Okay. Not worried about doing that against Jacksonville or a big D lineman from Arizona. 
He does play for the New York Yankees yeah. every single year. Maybe if he played for the New York Yankees, they would have won it this year Ooh. instead of sitting at home like the rest of us watching the Bubble World Series. Ain't that right, Ty? No, he got drafted by the Rockies. It's a fucking charity case every time. Hasselbeck, did you hear that? He does not. Deserve- I did. Ty's a hater, though. You know that. Yeah, he's a great football well, I've player. To, I've, been to, I've been to a World Series with Ty. Yeah. <laughs> he actually he <laughs> bought, bought me a hat. Thank you very much. <laughs> that is. I did buy you a hat. Yeah, you Where's did. the hat? Oh, wow. Well, Astros started cheating, so I didn't get rid of it. <laughs> well, yeah, they almost made another run at it. Matt, I let's... I bought it for you. I thought it was a nice match. Oh, you, he awesome. has it still at the house. He just yeah. couldn't wear okay. it anymore. The, um, On display. The, the younger quarterback, Kyler... Russell, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar. I mean, everybody, it feels like very talented athletes playing. It feels like that, by the way, I don't, that does not mean that they're not great quarterbacks. They're obviously great quarterbacks, but they're much more athletic than it was, what, five, ten years ago. Is that going to be the future, you think, for the time going forward? It makes the most sense, by the way. If I'm a GM and I'm starting a team right now, I'm like, okay, I, I, want, an, I want a quarterback that can – his athleticism can extend plays if it has to, if something breaks down. And that's why, and I'm asking this question to ask you about Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan's future. Because it feels like, okay, the quarterback of the future, like very near future, and if you're a GM, you would want to build around a guy who can do a litany of things with his feet and his arm. Matt Ryan is owed like $100 million over the next three years. He, he can't, right? I mean, he can throw the ball. Do you think there will still be a place for pro-style quarterbacks that can't move in the NFL? Or do you think that is kind of a graduating class to welcome in an entirely new set of football? Yeah, it's a graduating class. There's no doubt about that. Offenses are changing. They're using more of what they do in the college game. But this is a copycat league, Pat. And go back to who's won the last few Super Bowls. Obviously, last year was Patrick Mahomes. He's actually an incredible pocket passer. He passes consistently from the pocket. That's what he's most dangerous. Uh, you know, that's what they got to stop, number one, with him. And then think about guys like Tom Brady. Think about even Nick Foles. Like, think about the guys who won the most recent mm-hmm. Super Bowls. It's not necessarily that dual threat guy. The dual threat guy will get on the top 10 plays and he'll make all the highlights and all that stuff and that's great but to have that longevity and have someone that you're building around there's nothing there's nothing wrong with a guy who plays the style of say you know i would say justin herbert and joe burrow are two really really good examples right now uh of two guys that their teams aren't winning any games but i think across the league you would say hey listen we can build a franchise around those two guys that's a that's a chess piece that we can you know we got that on lockdown now let's go build around it and sometimes when you've got the dual threat guy there's always this fear that that person's going to take too many hits and they're not going to be able to last. That's why I think I've just been really impressed with, with what I've seen out of Kyler Murray because he's not taking those hits. Huh. Hey, what, huh. what, what is Joe Burrow doing that he seems like every week, yeah, they're not winning a whole lot of games, but he's giving Cincinnati a ton of hope and he looks like, yeah, this guy is absolutely our franchise QB. Well, they're throwing the ball all the time. Like he's number one in attempts. So it's almost like they're not even – I don't want to say they're not trying to win games this year because they're trying to win every 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 week. But like, you know, this AJ, like people set out and they say, OK, our goal this year is to win the division. And then once we win the division, we'll talk about hoisting a Lombardi. Well, I don't I, I mean, no offense to the Cincinnati Bengals, but I don't think they're they're really thinking that they're going to win the division. I think what they're saying is like, hey, we need to make sure that we got it right with the first overall pick in Joe Burrow. And we got to see what we have. We need him to develop as a quarterback. And that's what they're doing. So they're throwing the ball more than anybody. Uh, The contrast would be 
like someone like Baker Mayfield, who's I think he's got like the second least amount of attempts in the NFL. And yet, like he's got his team playing winning football. And so people just casually might be like, oh, Baker Mayfield's like having just an okay year. And Joe Burrow's having this amazing year. But one guy's team is playing winning football and the other guy's team is trying to develop a quarterback and they'll worry about winning winning a division some some year down the down the line here interesting perspective there did not expect that out of you i'll be intrigued to see if baker mayfield is a cleveland brown quarterback going forward obviously they're gonna have to make those decisions coming up andrew barry great general manager speaking of another unsettling quarterback position and i've asked this a couple times uh today one time to ian rapaport fresh off a suspension by the way from a manscaped yes. ad that he put on his ig story uh can't can't win with it won't win with it roger goodell said suspend that that guy two weeks at least here i asked him this that dallas cowboys culture locker room seems terrible i mean it just last week with the leaks to the media about up oh, this the coaches don't do this they don't do that it's only six weeks into a new regime organization didn't win with the last one then the andy dalton slaughtering that happened by bostic and nobody wanted to fight for him or anything like that is that time for a rebuild down there and i don't know if that rebuild means mccarthy one and done which is what ian rapaport said i'm talking about in the locker room and if you go in the locker room and you rebuild the locker room and try to get in people that you would want to potentially base your culture around and what your team's going to be like does that include Dak Prescott in your eyes because I think he's a man who potentially made himself more money since the incredibly unlucky gruesome injury watching that team perform without him listen uh, first thing I think Dak Prescott's the cow the Cowboys uh quarterback he's the quarterback for the long haul uh, I would be shocked if that ever changed I really think he's the heart and soul of that team uh it's unfortunate that he's injured right now but Pat AJ you guys know like leaders have to emerge in that locker room like the culture has to be set like hey and sometimes you got to have those uncomfortable conversations sometimes something bad has to happen for you to get embarrassed or called out and and Pat I know you're a huge huge fan of players only meetings but sometimes they are necessary and sometimes you got to just uh Take it like a man, say it how it is and like hurt people's feelings and just say, hey, listen, here's what's acceptable and here's what's not acceptable. And so far right now, you're running out of fingers to count of the things that are unacceptable uh, from the players in Dallas. And it's easy to point fingers and blame the coaches, right? Like they did that for 10 years in a row, it feels like, with Jason Garrett. Like every year it was like, Jason Garrett's the problem, Jason Garrett's the problem. Well, like I don't think Jason Garrett's the problem, but either way, once you fire the coach and the coaching staff those players can no longer say the coach is the problem the next person that gets like looked at with scrutiny uh the next group of people is going to be the players and quite honestly like the stuff you're talking about would not happen on some other teams that i'm thinking about around the league some of the better teams so i just think leaders have to emerge in that locker room in a, in a bigger and better way aj you're also a big players only meeting guy <laughs> yeah it, it, there's one thing i know that uh Mike McCarthy is not a huge fan of his players only meetings. <laughs> you, you, if you're having players only meetings, it, it's already too, it's gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I think we may have had one or two of them, though. It, because, yeah, they, they can be useful if they're not forced upon you. If the players really, truly want to do it, it's fine. But if a coach is peer pressuring the vets to do it, that's when it's terrible. I agree. What do you got to say? Well, listen, even even to the point when there's a players only meeting and then there's there's leaders in the room who sit there and slouch in their chair and they're like, 
when's this stupid meeting going to be over? I got things I want to get off my chest, but I'm not going to say them today. Then it's not an effective players only meeting. Sometimes you got to sink to rock bottom where literally it's so bad that you're not going to sit there stand by and let stuff happen like you're gonna call people out i don't care how much money you make i don't care where you were drafted i don't care how long you've been here like if you're not living up to the words that you're saying right now like that's bs i'm gonna call you on it and so so eventually one of those players only meetings is going to be necessary and uh you know but but you got to be all in you can't be one foot in i'll tell you what I've never seen a players only meeting go the way you just talked about, but that would have been awesome to watch. I mean, that would have been incredible to see happen. What do you got, Ty? Matt, when you look at the Packers, um, how, with the way they performed yesterday, do you think their performance against Tampa Bay, you can just write that off as an anomaly? Yeah, listen, like the 72 Dolphins went undefeated. The Patriots almost went undefeated. I think every team, Mike Holmgren, you had a saying, you know, we'd come in sometimes and we'd lose a game like that. We just didn't look like ourselves. We had a game plan we thought was good. It wasn't. The other team knew where their weaknesses were. They took chances. He'd come in and say, hey, listen, we played a stinker. That's what he'd say. He said, we played a stinker. We're not even going to watch the film today. We made a list of 10 corrections we guys want to talk we want to talk to you guys about. We'll talk about them. We'll maybe walk through them. We're going to hit those 10 plays, and then we're moving on. We're throwing this one in the trash. It's in the rear view. Oh. Forget about it. And I just think that's what the Green Bay Packers have to do with that Tampa game. Like, they might get a chance to play them again. Uh, they played a stinker. Nobody really played well. Tampa's defense was outstanding. And um, it happens sometimes. That's the NFL. Sometimes you got to bury the ball, Matt. Sometimes you got to bury the ball and move on. Uh, last question here before we let you go. Can't thank you enough for joining us. I know you're down in Nashville. Hope you have a great time down there. Stay away from the COVID. Uh, tonight, Bears and Rams on ESPN Monday Night Football. How do you see this one going? The Bears are getting six points as a 5-1 and one team on the road tonight. A lot of people are eye-opening about that, probably being close game tonight, hammering the Bears. How do you feel like this is going to go? Yeah, these are t- these are two tough teams because it's like uh, Jekyll and Hyde. You never who sh- never really know who's showing up. Mm. And then Nick Foles has this like intangible that you're not sure of. Like we pick game picks on our Sunday NFL Countdown show all the time, and like every time Nick Foles is playing, it just like throws me for a loop because I'm like, man, like. This, this is the same guy that threw seven touchdowns in a game and set an NFL record. But then there's other times I'm like, man, that was almost a sack fumble. So, you know, I would just say this about, um, about the Rams defense. They don't line up. They don't try to trick you. They line up. It's cover one, cover three or quarters. It's pretty much what they do. And they just say, our athletes are better than yours. We've got a better D-line. We've got better secondary. We've got better linebackers. We're just going to go play ball. So I think it's an advantage for the offensive coaching staff scheme wise but i guess the question you got to ask yourself is is that scheme can you can you block up aaron donald in that scheme because you can drop all the fancy pass plays in the world but if you're on your back it doesn't matter so i didn't give you an answer but this is a tough (laughs) yeah by the way i'm struggling with this one as well and i'm very hot right now gambling i don't know who to pick because just like you said i don't know which team's going to show up well, I'll just say this. With the NFC, you're looking at the playoff picture. Like Some of these teams got to emerge, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's too many teams that are right in the thick of it. And then the NFC East, which is like, you know, Terrible. they get a playoff. You know, I said this on the show. This is like being the valedictorian of summer, valedictorian of summer school. <laughs> like, somebody's getting in. Like, their first place Gosh. is like, that, that shouldn't count, but it does count. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So now, like, one of these teams like San Francisco or Detroit or Chicago or 
the Rams or Arizona, they could get bounced from this playoff picture for someone like Philly or Dallas or the football team. I mean, it's just a wild year, man. Oh, you don't like that Ron Rivera finished up his chemo treatment today? Whoa. What the hell? Is that what you just said right there? (laughs) That's wild. he He might be hosting a playoff game. The Washington football team might be hosting the uh, playoff team, a playoff game, yeah. and teams like Detroit or San Fran or Arizona or Chicago, like some other team, won't be. How do you feel about that? Well, I just I'm happy that Ron Rivera got through uh, his battle with leukemia, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, joining, <laughs> you don't deserve to go out like that, but we have to. Uh, but good. we love Ron Rivera. We love yeah. Ron. Yeah. We love yeah. Ron Rivera. Yeah. We we do for sure. We love do Ron. You? a lot of respect. We do for sure, including that guy right over there. Just want to make sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 18-year NFL pro. You can hear him on NFL Sunday Countdown. Thank you so much for joining us, Matt. You're the best. Matt Hasselbeck. To talk to us, a man who wasn't allowed to talk for two weeks, a man who came back on the scene in a massive fashion, taking time out of his day to chat with us right now from the NFL Network insider, ladies and gentlemen, Ian Rappaport. What's up, guys? How you doing? Hey, welcome back, man. Welcome back. Uh, welcome back. We missed you so yeah, much. Yeah. Come on, Rapsy. Welcome back, I miss. I missed it too, guys. I didn't say I miss you guys, but I missed, <laughs> I missed everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we we understand. We get that a lot. Um, was there a couple times during your suspension? I don't want to just talk about that because there's a lot of football news that you know and want to talk about, and we would like to hear from you because you are the authority on a lot of information. Was there any news that you thought you could have broke while ever you were down there? Did they just stop texting you? Did you have to turn your phone off? How did that work? Uh, I didn't have to turn my phone off. I mean, yeah, I mean, there were, there were definitely some things I, I would have had a very good shot at breaking. I feel like, I mean, uh, but what happened is, you know, because it was so public that I was suspended, uh, everybody knew and, I actually got very few texts with like, hey, here's this piece of news. You know, usually throughout a week, there's like a whole bunch of, hey, here's here's this little thing or have you heard this? Or I didn't get a lot of that, I think probably because everyone knew um, what my situation was. So then, you know, after two weeks, it was basically like the phone got turned back on. And then, as you mentioned, there was a little bit of a little bit of a flurry when I. Came, became active again. Yeah. By God, that's Ian Rappaport's music. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we saw it. We heard it. The whole thing. Did you think that you were potentially dead when everybody stopped texting you? Or did you <laughs> did you know, like, okay, no, I, I know the game. They, they're, not, they're not holding us out for whatever reason. Um, no, I mean, I heard from an unbelievable amount of people. Okay. Like, I cannot believe how many people, is, even some I haven't heard from in a while who texted me. So, like, the phone worked because I... Like, I cannot even overstate how many people reached out for various reasons. Um, but it was just not like, hey, here's this piece of news. It was more like, how's it going? Or like, you know, a couple jokes here and there. Everyone had some fun with it. I did not, but they all did. So, uh, that was basically my life for two weeks. Well, if you trim the bushes, the tree stands taller, Rappaport. And sometimes you got to do that. And I'm very, very thankful that you are back in this thing. Let's talk about it. This morning, Josina Anderson said she got a text from Odell Beckham. She says Odell Beckham told her torn ACL. He's out for the season. What is the thought now with this, with the Cleveland Browns? I assume there's going to be a lot of banter surrounding him potentially being on the trade blocker, not being a Cleveland Brown next year. Uh, you would be right about that. Yeah, I mean, it is a torn ACL. And actually, 
last night, real, actually really after the game, everyone kind of knew what this was. I mean, the confirmation came in the MRI, but talking to people yesterday, like they all knew it was really bad. So I didn't, you know, usually when a player's injured and there's an MRI, it's like, oh, wait for the MRI. It wasn't like that yesterday. It was like bad news. Like, I guess maybe we'll get some good luck, but this is going to be terrible. Like everybody knew. Um, so I think it seems like Cleveland kind of came to grips with this yesterday. couple interesting things, though. One, uh, how well the team played after he was gone. Like, Baker looked good, you know? And I know Odell is great. He is a great talent. But I, I don't know if Baker's better when Odell is out there, but he sometimes looks better. So that was kind of an interesting part of it, going to be fascinating to follow going forward. And then, you know, you mentioned the possible trade stuff. He's injured now. He's going to be injured for nine months. So his injury guarantee for 2021 is going to end up becoming fully guaranteed. So they cannot cut him. So basically the only option if they do end up wanting to move on from him is to trade him when he gets healthy, when he could prove to teams he's healthy, which would probably be in like July or August if a trade happened. So the injury very, very much complicates his future in general and then in Cleveland. Well, I hope they figure it out. I think OBJ is at a point in his life where all he wants to do is win games. And aside from Odell, there was a lot of other wide receivers that were allegedly on the trade block last week. Well, I think you were still in uh, hibernation. No, no, I think it came out. But uh, there's A.J. Green, allegedly, Julio Jones. You're talking about a lot of big-name, marquee names that are potentially on the trade block at a position that a lot of teams would desire having. Is there any big moves that are going to happen, or is this all just smoke and talk that people – you know, kind of like five, six years ago, it felt like the trading in the NFL was a lot of talk and then nothing. Then all of a sudden it started picking up a little bit more, like the NBA. Are you feeling like there's going to be massive amounts of moves this year? I think there's going to be some. It's it's so hard to really do anything now with COVID. I mean, if you the trade deadline's next Tuesday, but if you trade for someone next Tuesday, he actually can't play until the following week, so it actually kind of devalues whoever you trade for. If you want to trade for someone and have him play in two weeks, you have to trade him Thursday, this Thursday. So it's all, it's all very strange and, and very, very complicated. But Julio Jones not getting traded. I was told A.J. Green almost certainly not getting traded. You know, those kinds of guys almost never get traded. Michael Thomas, I have not heard he's going to be traded at all. I, things are not great there, but I have not heard he's, not going, to be, he's going to be traded. I think it would be more a guy like – Kenny Stills would be an interesting Whoa. potential possibility. Texans are not good. He's still pretty good. He's versatile. He's a good guy. Not Doesn't cost a ton. I could see a guy like that being traded rather than, say, an A.J. Green or Julio Jones. Okay, so let's talk about Julio Jones down there in Atlanta real quick. Uh, obviously, fired GM, fired head coach. Matt Ryan is owed $100 million over the next couple of years. I believe next year's dead cap or salary cap is like 45 to $49 million or something like that. So is Arthur Blank has come out and said um, that, you know, I'll let the GM make the decision on what he wants to do with Matt Ryan and everything like that. He's not going to be able to move Matt Ryan. He has to hire somebody that's going to want Matt Ryan, right? Because that contract is impossible to get out of town. Yeah, I mean, it is right now. But let's say you, I don't know, let's say the Falcons don't look horrendously terrible. So let's say they finish with four wins. They're probably picking seven or eight. So they will have the choice of picking maybe the third best quarterback, say, second, third, probably third. And 
what could happen is Matt Ryan could, I mean, this is crazy to say because he's a franchise guy, but Matt Ryan could become Ryan Fitzpatrick. You start for a year or you start for two years and then you pave the way for the rookie. Mm. Matt Ryan's much easier to be traded in 2022 than he is in the 2021 offseason. So to me, he's almost certainly going to be their starting quarterback next year. It's just a matter of, you know, does he kind of pave the way for some rookie uh, and start and kind of keep the seat warm? Feels like uh, you just got a text maybe from Arthur Blank there telling you exactly <laughs> what happened here. Last, last question before I assume you have to go here. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, okay, Dallas Cowboys. I you- changed the angle of my computer, so now having to look at my phone in a different place is all very disoriented. But go ahead. Well, that's what happens when you go on a two-week yeah. hiatus. Yeah, you know what I mean? The phone dies, you get rusty, you don't you even know. You can't get away from it. Yeah, well, it happens, dude. Manscaped is a great product. We mm-hmm. love it. Love yeah. it. We oh. love Manscaped. We've been selling a lawnmower 3.0 here for a long time. Long time. The Weed Whacker, a long time. 9,000 RPM engine on that Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. I mean, it is next level. Love it. All right, so Ian, say about it? we are talking to Ian Rappaport. He agrees. The <laughs> Ian, um, okay. the Dallas Cowboys, all right, you're Tom Pelissaro. Your friend, Tom Pelissaro, said that, uh, no, that was actually the, um, fuck, that was the Dolphins. Never mind. But the Dallas Cowboys, information's okay. leaking out of the, the locker room, okay? Coaches yeah. aren't working hard. Coaches don't know how to teach, blah, blah, blah. And if you're an ex-player or an ex-coach, your immediate thought is like, well, that that seems like a bad locker room. The people six games into a new regime, new schedule, new everything, is leaking information to the media to try to drive a wedge between the players and the coaches. Then, yesterday, Andy Dalton gets slaughtered, right? Big late shot by Bostic. He gets ejected. Nobody fights Bostic. It feels like the Dallas Cowboys, and you probably know a lot more. You definitely know a lot more than I do. That place might be ripe for an entire rebuild, huh? I mean, legit, if the locker room, now granted, who knows how the rest of this year will go. If it's anything like yesterday, not good. But that feels like a locker room, a culture that needs a complete rebuild. Am I wrong in thinking that as an outsider? And is that what they're going to do? And if they do that, that's not great for Dak Prescott. He'll make money somewhere else, but maybe not in Dallas. First of all, hard to imagine them giving up on a a franchise quarterback as good as he is. So I I don't see Dak going, I really don't see Dak going anywhere. Even if, you know, let's say, for the sake of argument, McCarthy is one and done. I, like, what new coach wouldn't want Dak Prescott? So that's the first thing. The other thing is, you know, I kind of go back and forth on the players speaking out thing. Because on one hand, McCarthy. it's not great to talk, to kind of leak that stuff out to the media, even though I am media. On the other hand, maybe it's just a bunch of players who want to be coached well. Like, there's also that part of it, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't buy it? No, those guys should go to the coach then. The NFL is very much like a professional thing. Like, like you just, I mean, you, you should say, like, hey, we got to figure this out. If you respect the coaches, yeah. Oh. Like, oh. No, I'm just saying, like, Tasty it's obviously cheese. not going well. And I'll tell you what, kind of like you said, I had a major problem. Um, I had a major problem with them not picking up uh, Andy Dalton, not kind of fighting. Um, can I get this call? Would yeah, you be annoyed if I got this call? No, no, no. no. How long will it be? Will it be quick? Uh, hold on. Give me two minutes. Yeah. Uh, I just on caller ID. Oh, uh, no. Oh, oh, no. 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 Jeez, Who are they no. trading where? We'll follow everybody else, I guess, Could've instead of rap sheet. Magic to the boys. Oh, my God. So you don't think that they're going to move on from Dak and rebuild the entire culture down there? Uh, no, I don't think they're going to move on from Dak at all. I mean, to me, that's who you would start with. Oh, if you no. were 
if you were trying to rebuild things. But I mean, the prospect of one and done for McCarthy, I would have thought was crazy. I don't think it's likely, but I don't think it's crazy either, just based on everything that's gone on down there. Oh, hold on. Is this a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a little wrap up? I don't think so. I mean, everything's on the table to me. I mean, I'm not saying it's likely, but it's, it's looked really bad. I mean, it is, it has looked really bad there. And I don't think that's, that's not stepping out of line. I mean, anyone who watched it can see like it should be say whatever you want about Jason Garrett. And they were all, they were not perfect. And sometimes they were mediocre. Um, he did a pretty good job holding that thing together. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, last question before we let you go. Any other big news we should keep an eye out? Because it seems like whenever you come on our show, you break news like a minute and a half after you get off. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can figure out who called me, um, then I will definitely, hopefully, break some news. I'll let you know. All right. Thank you. That's very nice of you. Ladies and gentlemen, follow at Rap Sheet. Ladies and gentlemen, Ian We fucking blew that for him. Yeah. yeah. He's got no shot of getting any of that information. That information has been spread to seven other insiders before he could even say goodbye right there. That could have been McCarthy out in Dallas. Wow. Very much. By the way, is he just saying it? No. He's heard from somebody somewhere that there's a chance that that potentially over down there. Uh, Rumors are swirling. Where's Mike McCarthy go? He goes right back to that basement up there in uh, Wisconsin. Right back to the barn. What do you get? $90 $90 million or something? I forget how much the Dallas Cowboys said they were going to pay him. He's just getting – he just came down for a year, didn't call any plays, didn't do any teaching or coaching. He actually said he overcoached. He partied at Jerry Jones. And then he gets, what, $50 million and then just goes back? Mike McCarthy might be the greatest fucking businessman of all time, this guy. Because to your point, he did cut his own highlight – or to Gumpy's point, he did cut his own like highlight yeah. reel resume mm-hmm. that Tom Pelissaro put out. Propaganda. Oh, my God. That's what it feels like. Hey, that's fucking Pittsburgh Mike down there. <laughs> All right, Pittsburgh Mike. In his defense, the defense had another great week of practice this week. So, I mean, take it for did, what it's worth. Did he say that? Well, yes, they only gave did. up like 22 points, right? That's, that's good for them. Pretty damn good. Week seven of the NFL season is wrapping up this evening with the Bears at the Los Angeles Rams to join us now to give us some prop bet locks in conversation about the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, nine-year NFL vet, host of the Man to Man podcast, Darius Butler. Yeah, What's happening? Patriots are dead, dude. Not, not so fast. Not so fast. Ooh. Ooh. Not so fast. At Darius Butler. I want to uh, him out yet. Darius Butler was drafted to the New England Patriots in the second round coming out of uh, UConn, prestigious football school UConn. He uh, goes up there. He's a uh, corner, stud, freak athlete, got a chance to play and understand the Patriot way. You say not so fast to them being absolutely Dead. I mean, that offense looks completely lost out there. Jimmy G and the 49ers were doing their thing on the offensive side as if the defense wasn't even out on the field. You don't think they're yeah. dead at all? Patriots fans think the Patriots are dead. Nah, I, I can't. It's too, way too early to count out, uh, count out Bill and Cam, man. They got plenty of time to figure it out. Um, and I think they will. They always do. I uh, can't count them out yet, man. San Fran, I mean, they got a good football team. Kyle Shanahan's no slouch when it comes to calling plays. They got some playmakers on on, that, on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. They're, they're coming off a Super Bowl appearance. So a very good team. Cam looked bad, though. He looked bad. Um, he knows he looked bad, and um, it's, it's only up from here, and I, I definitely think those guys figured it out. You think COVID got him? 
Man, he yeah. looked, did you see how happy he was before the COVID? I mean, he was like the happiest guy. He's back to being the guy. What are you looking at? You're looking at Connor has some stats oh, pre yeah. and post COVID. Oh, shit. Before COVID, 62 for 91, 714 yards, two passing touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns. After COVID, 26 of 40, 255 yards, zero touchdowns, five picks, one rushing touchdown. Oh. COVID's got him. It, t- it, it took the joy not only out of the world, but out of camp. <laughs> Cam Newton, it seems like. It can't. You can't. You can't take the joy out of Cam Newton. They just, did it. They did it. 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 COVID hey, did it. We, <laughs> we, we, we go to week eight right now, man. Halfway point. I can't. I can't count them out. I can't count my dog out yet, man. Too much time left. He gonna figure it out. Have a have a four hundred yard game next next week. We'll be we'll be all forgotten about this, Connor. Trust me, man. That Stand doesn't seem likely. Nope, <laughs> that does not seem like against the Bills. He might in Buffalo playing the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Maybe they'll be able to get back on track. But boy, two and four is a wild world for these Patriots man. fans. It is wild. Let's go around the NFL a little bit. Let's talk about Buda Baker. Buda Baker, I believe, was a guest on the Man to Man podcast last night. He, I think he, I think he died on the football field uh, after one big hit. They took him into the tent or whatever. He aced the test somehow. Gets the helmet back. Makes seven straight plays. Aced it quick. Too, yeah, very quick. Got his helmet back. He's back. Makes seven straight plays after this. This guy might be the most electrifying defensive player in all of the NFL right now. Playing safety, you have to absolutely love that guy. Man, he he is unbelievable, and to be um you know a smaller guy, he he plays like he's six four, you know two fifty. He flies around, and he's in on every tackle it seems, pressuring the quarterback. And to be the highest paid safety, um you know coming into the, this season with zero career interceptions coming into this season, lets you know kind of what he's doing. So um you know before the man before his appearance on the Man to Man Pod, zero career interceptions <laughs> wow. since his appearance. So you some stats for you, Connor? Two interceptions. <laughs> oh! So I won't say me and AB had anything to do with that, but um, I think he'll tell you that. But uh, but nah, man, he's been balling, man. He's a baller. Uh, that play with DK to run him down on say that touchdown. Wow, that's but, tough. Uh, he's 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 unbelievable. That's tough. He plays, and I guess every safety that flies around and is in places he's not supposed to be will automatically be compared to Troy Polamalu. But yep. it, it felt like that watching him last night. This guy is just showing up in places he's not supposed to be. He he has that big hit on the side. I forget who it was against. He's dead on the ground. Then he picks his body back up or whatever. And they, they had to whistle down. They're like, I get him off. That guy needs to be checked or whatever. Yeah, I, I thought it was done. Done. I thought it was over. I'm like, oh, no. I, I bet the cards plus three and a half. That guy's making every single play. He's done. He somehow... By the way, whatever it was, maybe his body just relaxed whenever he went down to the ground somehow. Maybe he, it was a shoulder stinger. Stinger, Ooh. maybe that hits, hits the legs. Maybe you never you never know. But the I don't, I don't think so, dude. His legs were just like <laughs> flopping over there. But then he puts the helmet back on. He he got a sack, I think, the next play. Then he had like a pass breakup on the other play, and then maybe an inner like he was just everywhere at once. Do or do they have a defensive system where it's like, hey, uh, whatever you're feeling, man, just go over and do whatever the fuck you got to do. Yeah, I mean they got a system, but he he's one of those guys, and just and being able to talk to him, and uh, Antoine knows him better than I do. Being able to talk to him, you can just tell how much he cares about the game, how much he invests in the game, um, and when he he prepares, and so when he gets out in that snap before the snap, he knows pretty much. Okay, you're you're giving me one, two, or three plays, and um, you know more times than not he's going to be there. Even plays that he's not supposed to be involved in, he finds a way to hustle. 
um, you know, every play is out there and get in on every play. So um, when you have guys like that setting the tone, one of your better players, your highest paid player at his position, and he's still running around playing like that, especially after losing a guy like Chandler Jones on that defense. Um, that's what that team and that defense is going to need, and Baker's been uh, been providing that and more. That defense has a lot of athletes out there. Isaiah Simmons gets his first pick. Nobody knew what he was going to do. He looks like they man they bulked him up a little bit. It feels like that's like his first appearance that we've really seen of him. If he can get it going somehow and have this interception kind of break uh, whatever curse was potentially on him for not making a lot of plays, <laughs> that'd be awesome. That Arizona team looks damn good. Let's move around now to a team that looks very very bad at football. Dallas Cowboys. You and I talked about it. The leaking to the media six weeks in like that's not a good locker room like that that is not what's supposed to happen then Andy Dalton dies okay you played in the NFL nine years Andy Dalton dies on the field his guys don't even help him up they don't go after Bostick at all and there's a lot of noise being talked about this but I think it's because it's so important like that is a massive ordeal that not a single person went after anybody after Dalton just died that would at least cause some sort of scuffle even if it's like broken up no punches are thrown yeah there would be some sort of something happen are the Cowboys dead you think from a culture perspective I mean, go, coming into the week, like you said, we had we had the leaks and the, and the things coming out of the building. And then for that, I mean, it's, it's kind of been blown up, but that's a, that's a big deal. Um, it's a big deal, especially as players being in that locker room, because it, there are unwritten rules and unspoken rules and kind of all sports. You see it in baseball, you see it in different sports. But in football, that's kind of like a spoken rule. Like you'll almost get in trouble if somebody doesn't get. Um, a flag or doesn't get, um, you know, doesn't get pulled to the side for that. that. That should be an immediate scuffle. That's your quarterback. That's your leader. That's the guy you're supposed to be protecting. Um, and, and somebody, you know, some guys are saying, oh, those are backups. They're just kind of worried about their jobs. But, I mean, that, that's that's everybody. That That's very um, indicative of what that team is and where they are right now mentally, physically. They've, they've kind of tapped out, it looked like. But um, it's it's a long season. Uh, Cowboys Nation, but they, they are fired up right now. And I feel like they, they should be used to this shit by now. Well, I agree, but this is worse than even before. Uh, Ian Rappaport just came on the show and basically said, Mike McCarthy could potentially be fired. He's out. He's out of the Manscaped cave, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he came out of the Manscaped cave. And we, by the way, cut a Manscaped promo in the middle of the conversation with him. It was pretty cool. I enjoyed that a lot. Put him in a very awkward position, obviously, which he doesn't deserve, but he handled it properly. He said that there's a rumor that McCarthy, one and done, going to be fucking out of there. I'm like, really? This is McCarthy's fault all of a sudden. Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe the players were right last week. I mean... That, it's got to. Somebody's got to take the fall. It's going. It's going to come down. He's got to be the fall guy. Um, I think. I don't think he's going to be out of there. Signed a five-year deal. I think. And I actually asked yesterday during the game, like, man, how, how long of a deal did this dude sign? Because <laughs> to look at a team like that, you would have to think, like, you know, they got to make some some real changes there. But I mean, you got to empower whoever's going to be in that position. Um, whoever's going to be in that that head coach position, they got to have some power over that team. You know, you got Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones. They, they, you know, they. They're doing press conferences after games and talking about the teams. And some people feel different ways about the, um, what owner's role should be. But when you're not owner, you're the owner. So um, somebody, he's either going to have to take that step back and say, hey, I got to bring somebody in who can really run this show. Um, kind of how uh, Chris Ballard's been doing in Indy, you know, mm. something like that. But, uh, you know, because he, he kind of turned that thing around, building the culture kind of from the ground up. But um, 
somebody's got to do something because it's ugly right now. I agree. Chris Ballard is quite a mason with what he did with the bricks at the bottom of that thing. And I don't think anybody who wasn't in the building would understand that. You know, like I I think if you were not in the building, I don't think you have any idea what all had to be completely. I mean, it was a very different place. It became a very different place after the Peyton run and then it became a very different place. And then Chris Ballard's been able to build that back. Hopefully they're winning games. They had a bye week. Phil Rivers' arms coming back stronger than oh, ever. Wow. Stronger than <laughs> whoa, ever. Whoa. Uh, tonight, Bears at the Rams. D-Butt, what are your thoughts? How do you think this is going to go? The Bears are 5-1, and one, but they're getting six against this Los Angeles Rams team that's been kind of hit or miss. How do you see this night going? Um, it should be a good one. Both teams are playing well. Uh, Rams, they got, they got roughed up last week against the San Fran 49ers. But 49ers, they, they, they attack you uh, with those guys with the yak. Like Debo, Kittle, like those guys get the ball. IU, they get the ball in their hand. They make plays after they have the balls in their hands. Pause. Um, the Bears don't have those type of weapons, so I don't think they'll be able to, you know, put them up, put up passing yards like that against them. So I'm going to hit that under on foes real quick. Ooh. But I think the Rams win the game, but Bears cover. Bears, they don't, they don't cover this uh, six point. I think it's too much. It'll be closer than that. Okay, so you think it's going to be a very close game? Uh, Rams close win. game. Rams win. Bears cover. That would be, by the way. If you do that again, that should become like that's a very profitable bet to be making. Those two bets, by the way, you become like a very now. Granted, nobody in media is hotter than I am, but um, what I'm saying with you <laughs> is the way you did that last week. We had the same conversation. I think we had uh, one team win, the other the team. Eagles. Yeah, yep. we yeah. did. Made a lot yep. of money. By the way, I don't know if you put a bet in, but I did. We made a lot of money together with that <laughs> one. I like that you're no, doing my state. It. My state won't allow it. What's that all about down there? You you would think know, you would think that that's and you know what it is. It's probably the casinos, by the way. You guys have a lot of casinos down ah, there, don't you? Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, in Seminole, we got a hard rock, a couple hard rocks down here. So what happens? Well, maybe yeah. In the what happens is the casinos. Now I haven't been privy to any of these conversations, but it seems like the states that have a lot of casinos have been very slow in the mobile sports book app. It seems there's a potential chance that those casinos might have some influence in. Uh, in the government, Some leverage hmm. you said. might uh, potentially. Okay. Well, we got to figure that out, man. We got to get Florida on the map. We got to be doing that. Mm-hmm. You guys do have it's, the green cards down there, though. You guys have the uh, green cards that you have to uh, renew at what every five years. Uh, every two, I believe. Yeah, it just so happened Maybe to be. Just so happened year, yeah. to be the week that we were together down there. <laughs> huh. mm-hmm. He didn't have his card; it had expired. Uh, Interesting. And then the day we leave, his card brand new, fresh. Oh, He's on Instagram. Good, really? you, you had to get ready for a fight, man. You were in a oh, fight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect sure. timing. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, let's go back to the Foles thing. When you see Nick Foles, what do you think of? Like, as a DB who played in the NFL a long time, you see, they made the switch from Mitch to Nick. While Mitch yep. was still undefeated. Now, granted, all quarterbacks say, well, he got a quick pull and all that. When you watch Nick Foles play the football, what is your thoughts as a DB? Like, oh, this guy stinks. He, he's a game manager. He can't really do a lot of things. What are your thoughts on Nick Foles? He's it's, it's crazy, man, because he's he plays so good in that relief role, that backup role, but he's just not – He's, I don't see him as an ace. You know, he's not the guy that started pitching that I would run out and be like, I, I'm, I'm fearful oh. this guy can come out here and beat us. Um, now, he's a quarterback that won't go out there and lose the game for you, but I don't feel like – I feel good as a defense saying, okay, we got to put Nick Foles in a situation where he's got to beat us. And, um, you know, that's kind of where they are now. They're 5-1 and one as a football team, and I think that says a lot to that Bears as a whole team, especially that defense, what they're doing that side of the ball. But um, I, I, he doesn't put fear in my heart as a DB. Uh, good player. Uh, the more reps he gets in his system with Nagy, he's still young as far as working with Nagy. So 
Uh, we'll see if it gets better, but just not not uh you know very accurate with throws down the field all the time. He throws a good deep ball, but outside of that, uh, I don't I don't think I don't see him picking defenses apart on all three levels. Oh, so you think he stinks? He stinks. Whoa! Just say it. Come on. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say. See, nah, he's a good, very that. very very good backup quarterback. <laughs> you said he stinks. Just, just say it. Nah. Yeah, he's good. You said he's still oh, good, though. So he's good he quarterback. Deserved, he, de- he deserved a handshake, I'll tell you that. Ooh. Hey, a lot of drama behind Tom Brady not going to shake old Nick Foles' hand after Nick Foles and the Bears get to dub over the Buccaneers. Since Salty. that, Tom Brady has gone and shook everybody's hand. Oh, yeah. But, Nick, <laughs> who knows what the story is behind there. Let's go to Tom Brady down there with the Buccaneers. They seem Ooh. to have it figured out down there. Gronkowski's all the way back. They're adding a B into the mix. That defense with Todd Bowles is humming. They sh- they made Aaron Rodgers have a bad game. Aaron even said it. Now they- Aaron obviously just picked apart the Texans. We'll talk to him tomorrow. It was mm-hmm. a slice and dice fucking clinic just days after people told Aaron Rodgers that his offense had been figured out or whatever. I mean, can't wait for that convo tomorrow. Tampa Bay Buccaneers though, Darius, it feels like they got it figured out down there. Man, they are, they are hitting a stride. They're playing good football. Um, like you said, in all three phases, uh, Brady is looking young again. He's, he's hitting all his weapons. He's got Scotty Miller making plays. Gronk is back. Who is um, still got Evans, Godwin. Best. And now you mm-hmm. add AB into that fold, man. It, it, it's, I mean, it, it's scary. It's scary. And if they can keep him protected, um, O-line's been playing well. They keep him protected, and Bowles keeps that defense humming. They got the best, by far the best combo at the linebacker position. Like, Devin White, Levante David, like, it's unbelievable watching those dudes play football. Young guys on the back end, they're growing um, every week. So, on that that team's right now, I mean, they got to be first, you know, first in that, in that NFC. Well, I mean, Aaron Rodgers. Got to be. What, they have one bad game? Uh, nah, hey, guess what? We'll see him again. We'll see him again at some point. <laughs> one <laughs> definitely see him again. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, right. You got them. You got, you still, I, I still got the Seahawks up there. You know, they, they take an L last night, but uh, I still hey, got it, Seahawks, Packers. It did, not, Bucks, it did huh? not feel like Russ threw three picks, by the way. On the defensive side of the ball, you probably, that's what you see. Well, the guy's got three turnovers or whatever on Russ. Like, that's mm-hmm. a big deal. But as I saw, like, the one to Patrick Peterson where he toe tap, I'm like, that was a very dumb play by Russ. But he, the way he. Overthrow, yeah. Yeah, the way he played last night like the three interceptions is probably going to be a story for a lot of people he's unbelievable russell wilson is unbelievable to watch that ball is it that different the ball that he throws coming down from the clouds from everybody else because they're making it sound like it's almost indefensible at this point with the way the arc that he puts on that thing it it, is very different the reason why um so most quarterbacks and reggie wayne kind of taught me this later in my career but most dbs like we look we look back for the ball so when we look back and depending on the trajectory, you know, obviously you got to find the ball to make a play on it. But Russell, like receivers typically look up for the ball. So with him kind of dropping it down the way he does, it's much harder on a DB to make that play than it is for his wideouts who are used to tracking that ball, you know, every day in practice, every day in pack and go before the game. And now it's a different ball that you see. Nick Foles kind of throws a similar deep ball. But mm-hmm. Russell, like the accuracy, even the one he threw to uh, Tyler Lockett, it was kind of much closer to the end zone, like a cross route. He just lofted up there, and he, like just that play. That, that's an unbelievable play. Um, it's not that's not a ball that you see every week as a DB. So um, it's much much tougher, tougher, and as accurate as he is with it, it obviously makes it even better. 
Uh, DB, going off that, do you think the Seahawks fans should be worried then because Russell's going to have to basically do everything for them to uh, make a run to the Super Bowl? Yeah, you have them up above the Packers? Is that what you just said, too? No, no, no. I didn't say that. They're in the top three up there. Those those three quarterbacks, I mean, you could pick either one. But out of the three, Russell has, I would say, the worst defense um, because he he does have a pass rush. You know, if you don't have a pass rush up front, that puts so much more pressure on the rest of the guys. And I don't care how talented you are. If a quarterback has the opportunity to go from progression one, two, three on, you know, 80% of his dropbacks, uh, you know, you're going to be in trouble as a defense. I don't care how good you are. So uh, until they fix that pass rush, which is not a bunch of pass rushers just sitting at home right now. So until they fix that, um, I, it, it would be tough as a fan, as a, as a, as a better to say, hey, they could go out and win a Super Bowl. Uh, with with that defense giving up that type of points because Russell Wilson is unbelievable, but even he's going to make mistakes. And uh, when you got quarterback like a Kyler or like all these other guys, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, can go out and put up those similar numbers, um, the defense is going to make the difference. D, but it's assumed tonight that Jalen Ramsey will be uh, shadowing Allen Robinson. How do you think that's going to go? And also, does either of them have an advantage because they played on the same team in Jacksonville or no? Mm, I, that's that's a good question. Um, I think it's going to be a good matchup to good watch. Question. Number one, very good matchup, especially since Jalen has been playing inside too. So now in the man-to-man situation, a lot of lot guys that follow, they'll follow, they'll go to the side of the ball. But if the guys lined up in the slot, they'll just stay on the outside. But Jalen should be shadowing him all over. That'll be good to watch. I think Jalen will have the edge, just because I feel like Jalen is a better player, and I don't feel like. Allen Robinson's quarterback is that great? Just say he stinks, dude. Just say stinks, What did Nick do to you? I not, absolutely nothing. Actually, I, I bet on the Patriots when he beat him. But outside of that, I like Nick Foles, man. I actually thought the, uh, the Eagles should have kept him over Wentz uh, a couple years ago. But um, I give I give Jalen the, the, the edge in that matchup for sure. Stinks of football. You think he stinks? <laughs> stinks. So what does that mean about Carson Wentz then? That he just oh wow, he just buried Carson Wentz yeah. as well. Interesting strategy. No. Just come on the show and bury everybody. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that. I like heel. Carson, man. I like Carson too, man. Good player. Good player. Like oh, in backyard oh. football, you're saying like if you were to play backyard football, like he would be better than everybody else that played football at backyard football. He, he's very talented. He just got to do the little things right play in and play out. But if he uh, he can't depend on, you know, superstar talent every play, you just got to do – at quarterback, you got to do simple, stupid, simple things over and over again correctly, and then you find your your chances to make the big plays. And uh, I don't think Carson does a good enough job at doing that. But at the same time, um, his weapons around him have been, have been destroyed. His old line has been banged up. His receivers have been banged up. So um, he's been work- he has been working with the best, uh, you know, best group of talent. But he's uh, – you know, he's- I-, I still think he's a very good player. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Last question. You said he stinks. Last question. <laughs> you see, I knew it was coming. Last question uh, here before we have to get to a break, and we appreciate you joining us. Host of the Man to Man podcast, Darius Butler, nine years in the NFL in the secondary, Ben Roethlisberger in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, the only undefeated team left in the NFL. They already had their bye week, obviously because of the Tennessee Titans COVID outbreak that happened just a few weeks ago. That defense, I've watched it every single week now. It's It's one – it's one of the most entertaining things to watch in football is their defense, the way it plays. And then you account for Ben Roethlisberger and that offense. They have weapons now this year, it feels like. They have actual weapons. Yeah. They have numerous people that can get it. That team, 
might be the most complete team that not a lot of people are talking about strictly because of what happened last year where they kind of fell off the radar after they lost their quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger's all the way back. That defense is all the way back. In the AFC, the Steelers could be a real fucking problem for a lot of people. They're right up there. They're right up there at the top. Um, you obviously can't count out Big Ben. Good player, been around for a long, long time. Um, threw some, 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 had some bad turnovers yesterday, but like you said, got a ton of weapons around him. Um, Claypool, Juju, Ray Ray, McLeod, this guy, Deontay John, just a lot of weapons around him, and that defense is playing uh, lights out. Um, they got some injuries at linebacker that they're going to have to overcome. But, um, you know, I think they can. Uh, Keith Butler's been doing a great job with that group on the defensive side of the ball all year. And they are right. I mean, I mean, it would be one or two, one or two up in that uh, on that AFC side. And uh, I think they're open up at like five-point underdogs against mm-hmm. the Ravens this week, which is kind of crazy to me. I think it's a little disrespectful. It might take the Steelers in that one. I agree. Anytime the Steelers are getting points, I think we hammer them until they prove that they can't yeah. win every single time. Because a lot of people are saying they didn't play anybody, they haven't played anybody, blah, 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 blah. Then they do what they did to the Titans. And aside from a couple – resurgences there by the Titans and obviously a missed kick by Goskowski. The Steelers, I mean, they looked damn dominant in that game for a large part of it. Now, granted, the Titans on the other side looked very dominant in the third and the fourth as well. So I think the Steelers are a team that's going to continue to go, but early bye week could bite them in the ass later in the day. D-Butt, appreciate you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Darius hey, Butler. appreciate you. D-Butt. Joining us for this hour is a man who is a national champion in college football and a Super Bowl champion of the NFL from the Green Bay Packers and the University of, nope, the Ohio State University. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron James Hawk. What's happening? You guys are excited that uh, people in Ohio say football has officially arrived now that the Big Ten is playing football. <laughs> this weekend was awesome seeing Big Ten football. I, I'm going to be – listen, I understand that the SEC, it is different down there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be 100% real. I, I, I went to a game down there. I went to the SEC championship. I've gotten a chance to kind of get baptized by the SEC folks down there. It is real down there, okay? Like, I, I will not ever disrespect the SEC visions of college football versus everybody else any different. But Ohio, damn near the same exact way whenever it comes to college football. Ohio State's the biggest team in Ohio by far. Doesn't matter how many Browns fans there are, how many Bengals fans there are. On Saturdays, they're pulling for the Buckeyes, okay? That is what it's like in Ohio. But this weekend, watching Big Ten football, it's just having a Big Ten game to be able to flip back and forth to is awesome. It is beautiful. And Justin Fields, 20 pounds lighter, looks like he's – Hasn't missed a single step off last year. He was slicing and dicing, AJ. Yeah, he's he's slinging the ball. But thinking of like what's most recent on my mind is that Sunday night game last night that oh, went yeah. late into the night. That thing was – I wasn't expecting, I guess – I wasn't expecting it to end like it did. It was it was a, a nice surprise, actually, to, to watch the, the whole second half. How about the Arizona Cardinals? In a couple different moments, they could have bowed down. Kind of like relax and Seattle Seahawks get the win. And the conversation would be Cardinals played good. You know, Seattle Seahawks just show that they're the elite class of the NFC still and of the NFC West, blah, blah, blah. Cardinals are on their way, though. That could have been the entire conversation is like, you know, the Cardinals show that they got fight. They got grit. They'll be able to do it. And they answered. They made mistakes, and they answered. Kyler Murray answered. There's that one shot zoomed in on his face where he sees DeAndre Hopkins in one-on-one single coverage in a step, and he starts laughing while he's holding the football, and it's obviously a touchdown. Now, that play was incredibly 
awesome. I mean, there was a lot of trickery. Everybody was looking to the side as if they were going to make a play call change. They snapped the ball while that's happening. Seahawks are kind of on their heels. DeAndre Hopkins, exactly what they thought was going to happen. He might be able to get a step on him. He laughs while throwing the ball. They answer, they answer, they answer. And in the postgame press conference, Kyler Murray gave all the answers that you would want from a guy. And I heard from numerous players last night that were like, the thing that isn't talked about enough is Kyler Murray's competitiveness and the amount of command he has for people to be great. That Cardinals team looks like an incredible team to be a part of and a fan of right now. What a game last night. You're 100% right. Well, don't you remember when Kyler Murray was coming out? Like when uh, before the draft and everything, he went on Dan Patrick, had a weird interview. He just seemed like a quiet kid and people are thinking, hey, is this the is this the guy you want leading your franchise? Like, does he have the, the command? Can he walk into a huddle and command all of these guys? And I think last night, if anyone did have any questions, if he could be that guy, I think he squashed them completely because that's a game that Seattle wins. Like, it seems like oh, nine yeah. out of ten times. You're watching that game like, okay, all right, Arizona, congrats. You guys are doing well. You're hanging in there. But this is a game that Seattle's going to win, and Arizona changed that. So I think it's a huge step for the franchise and for Kyler Murray. And it's not just Kyler Murray. I mean, granted, before every drive where he fist bumps every single offensive lineman, I love that. Like, that little thing right there, I'm a big fan of. Like, that's him showing at least gratitude and thanks to the offensive line, which he's going to need, obviously, in this world. Um, But the defense – that dude, Buda Baker, I talked to Darius Butler last hour about it. He might be the most electrifying player on defensive side of the ball in all of football. He is everywhere, it feels like. Then you obviously got the freak athlete Patrick Peterson in there. You got some good players. Isaiah Simmons had a pick last night, first play he's made, I think, in the NFL. Hopefully this takes the lid off the basket for him. But it's just like the defense is also very good. Cliff Kingsbury saw him all fired up. Normally, I think he's just flatlined he was all it feels like the cardinals are a good trend and i would like to say i lost some money on them early i bet on them i bet on them a lot mm-hmm. i bet on them last year because i was very impressed with kyler murray this year i saw him slow high step fucking dosi doa guy i'm like i'm back on this train again here we are and it feels like they're a team that we could watch really rise to prominence in this nfc even though the nfc is loaded with football talent right now does it make you worry uh more, though, about the Seahawks' defense, that they just seem like they – Russell's gonna, going to have to throw six touchdowns a game to win. Yeah, Diggs brought that up to Darius uh, in the last hour, I believe. He said – like, uh, or maybe it was Connor. I forget which guy. But the he said Russ knows, right? Russ knows that he has to have the biggest game of the weekend every single time he plays football. Like, he has to put up – he has to have four touchdowns, five touchdowns, which with other players we'd go, oh, my God, massive weekend. Here we go. This He has to do that every single weekend. And Ty Lockett, to his credit, is fuck, catches everything. That guy is outlandish how good he is. Just snags, one-handed snags, deep balls, cor- I mean, everything. And you go back to that catch he had last year in that back corner. It's one of the nicest, nastiest Ooh. catches I've ever seen in my entire life. But they know that they have to do that with that defense who can't stop a damn thing for whatever reason. Whatever the reason is. Maybe it's the concept doesn't work anymore in the NFL. Maybe it's the players. Whatever the case, they just can't. It feels like everybody's been able to have their way with them. Well, I I know you know it's not good when your defensive coordinator is trending on Twitter. I saw (laughs) Ken Norton trending for a little bit. I'm like, come on, man. I I don't know. I don't know either. I, I need to, I would have to. Take a deeper look, I guess, to see like what do you think are, are they is the scheme bad for these players? Do they just not have the players? And 
98% of the time, it's just, hey, we don't have the players to match up like we want to. Yeah, it's amazing how good a scheme can get when you got like five guys that are in the top five at their position. It's like, oh, shit, this scheme couldn't do a damn thing a week ago. Yeah. Now it's, okay, we can do everything. It's That game was awesome last night. A couple other really good games. Titans-Steelers almost went to overtime. I mean, that game, battle of the undefeateds over there in Nashville, Tennessee. Pittsburgh Steelers remain undefeated. But that game started out Steelers clobbering the Tennessee Titans and Tennessee Titans come back. Missed 46 yarder that would have sent it over there, but now the Steelers are still undefeated. The Titans just finished their third game, I think, in 13 days or 14 days, which is obviously a tall task, but that's because they had COVID outbreak in their building. How do you feel about those two teams? What do you think about the AFC? I feel good. I, like the more I watch Ryan Tannehill play, the more sold I am. I, I don't. I was always kind of like weary on Tannehill, even coming into this season. I'm like, all right, I don't know if he can do what he did last year. That was unbelievable what he did, and he, he's he's played very very well. So I think they can get it done with him. I like the Titans. I think the Steelers, once again, are one of the most under underrated teams that are just rolling. I know, they're the only undefeated team, correct? Right? Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Which means nothing. It doesn't mean anything. And the Steelers don't care either. Like all they care about is going and trying to win the Super Bowl. They don't True. care about the regular season record. Well, so. it's only happened one time, 72 Dolphins. So everybody knows that it's kind of an outlandish thought to even like, you know, we're going to try to go undefeated. It's like nobody, everybody knows that there's going to be a week where you're going to you get know, caught. And, in fact, like, you know, both teams, even if you're on a terrible football team, you go in expecting and hoping to win the game. Like you're not going in and saying, "Oh, we got no chance of winning this one. This is a see ya. We might as well just why don't we just forfeit this sucker?" AJ, as a former middle linebacker, what did you think of uh, Bob Nightrain Spillane filling the gap, meeting Derrick Henry in the hole? Yeah, this guy's got a barbed wire tattoo. He's got some long hair, and he Beast. is a body thrower. That guy, number forty-one for the Steelers. It is a electric factory to watch on the field. He's fun to, to watch somebody just throw his whole body at people. And spe- that Derrick Henry collision, like I, I watched it and I'm like, oh, and it made me jump. Oh my God. And then I had to run it back from different angles because I wanted to see who all was in there, who made the first contact, how it all, how it all played out. It was a beautiful thing, man. Those, those collisions right there down there by the goal line are so violent. Sometimes they don't always look that violent. That one looks violent, sounded violent, and, very, and was very much. But when you're that there, like in a compressed area and you have a Linebackers running full speed from five yards back, a, a, a running back who's seven yards deep, full speed ahead. Like, somebody's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of what I think they were both going for there. And it reminded me of because normally with the sound, you can't hear it in practice when there's a goal line drill in training camp, the amount of grunting that happens, just the amount of like full exertion. Ah, like that's how you're hearing it now with the no fans in the stands whenever it gets down to goal line if you listen yeah. you hear grown men grunting down there while you can hear them literally using every single ounce of anything they have in their body just to push another human by the way who's doing the exact same thing the opposite direction there's so much there is so much to be learned i bet down there in that goal line and that's why i always took those plays off you know what I mean? I didn't think those were always built for me. <laughs> I assume you love goal line, though, huh? You're a big fan of that? Yeah, I didn't mind goal line. I, I would get annoyed at times when they try to trick you. And now in the NFL, they, they're tricking you all the time on the goal line, running misdirections, sneaking tight ends, out, like all kind of stuff, which is fine. I get it. I understand the game. Um, but, <laughs> oh, they're yeah. kind of making it worse, Soft, though. Too. Sound Soft. like you said is making the game worse no, a little no, bit. No, no, Even I mean, like Derrick Henry, you, if you can – physically dominate up front and and win the line of scrimmage yeah you're gonna run the ball but that's not very easy to do like there's not a whole lot of teams that can do that patriots are dead dude oh, no. oh jesus you think it feels like it doesn't it i mean yesterday was bad now 
Darius Butler said something in the last hour, and I have said this publicly. I will never bet against the New England Patriots because I have so much faith in Bill Belichick, Ernie, and everything they got going on up there, whatever the case. No matter who's there, they've been able to win. But, boy, they they look they don't look like a New England Patriots they team. They look different. Don't they look different? Even that, that one pick that they threw when Ed, he was trying to throw it to Edelman, he threw it behind him. Like Even that, like everyone just looked off. Well, not even that. I mean, you go back a couple weeks, Hoyer gets sacked. Three seconds left on the clock, no timeouts right before half. Like, that doesn't happen on the New England Patriots. Like, that's not something that happens on New England Patriots. Then yesterday, they do a bunch of stuff. It's like, this doesn't look like the New England – like, this isn't the New England – so whenever I say that I'm, I think they potentially are not going to be in contention in the end, I'm saying it because I don't think this looks like the 20 years of New England Patriots we have seen. This looks like a very different New England Patriots team that maybe just – just will have to, but maybe they come back and turn it around. I mean, it maybe that, that's 100% possible, especially when you got those big brains over there. Yeah, I mean, if we run the ball 50 times a game, then we have a chance, but we're throwing <laughs> to Cheech and Chung. There's nobody out there. Our wide receivers have been targeted, uh, and they've had one touchdown, and there's been eight interceptions targeting wide receivers from Cam Newton and the Patriots quarterbacks. I mean, that's pathetic. That's the worst thing of all time. But, but. Teams that have started two and four from 1990 to 2013 Here we go. We need to have a 9% chance yeah. to make the playoffs. Yeah. And I'm up. holding on to that 9% because if anybody can do it, it's Billy Belichick and Ernie Adams. Is that his name, Ernie Adams? Yeah. They got no shot. It feels like 9% nine, <laughs> nine seems high with that particular game. Uh-huh. The AFC East, though, who knows what's going to happen? The Just Bills. The, what, you know the Patriots, though, Pat. If. Let's say Cam Newton comes out next game, throws for 315 and three touchdowns with no picks, and they win the game. We're like, Patriots are back. What do you mean? That was a, those couple weeks, that was, that's not us. It's not who we are. We figured it out. What day of the week is it? Hmm. What day of the Talking week? Talking to me? Is, yeah, what day of the Monday. week? Monday. Monday. But this particular Monday is? Ooh. Underreaction Monday. No! <laughs> Don't ruin it! Don't ruin it! This is Overreaction Monday. The Patriots are dead, bro. Dead. And you should see what the Lions are about so. to do. The Lions are about to go on like a 10-game run, I think. The, the Lions are about to yeah. just absolutely go for it. As a Lions fan, we have not talked about this yet, AJ, so I appreciate you leading us in this conversation. As a Lions fan, yesterday, you had to be 100% certain that if any team was going to do what the Falcons did at the end of the game, it would have been the Lions. Yes. The Falcons out Lions, the Lions against the Lions at a time where, is this a turning point for the Motor City? Yeah, let me preface this it by saying, Pat, the Lions, will they get God in the future? Yes, but I think it's officially time that we can pass the torch to the Atlanta Falcons as the biggest chokers in oh, the NFL. Wow. Oh, wow. Thank you very much. Matthew Stafford, one minute left. No timeouts. Marches down the field. Throws it to Hawkinson. Touchdown. We get a penalty, 15-yard penalty, and I'm like, oh, no. This is a 48-yard extra point. We're going to choke again, but we have the best kicker in the league, baby. Matt Prater puts that thing through. I'll tell you what, it had to be a good day to be a Lions fan yesterday. And as soon as you see Todd Gurley uh, stumble into the end zone there, which, by the way, not supposed to score, mm. obviously, but there's probably an incentive there if he scores a touchdown, oh, you yeah. get an extra 200, 300. If he gets 13 touchdowns this year, it's $500,000. Okay, so, oh. I mean, okay, so God. what's he? The Falcons stink. Uh, an extra 500000 right football IQ move. You could see how he could potentially, oh, fuck, I fell Sorry. in. But I thought about it, so people know that I did think about it. <laughs> that is tough because they definitely win that game 
if he falls there. Oh, yeah. Instead, he has an incentive in his contract to force him to want to score that touchdown for an extra half a million dollars worth of money. But instead, he scores the touchdown. Matt Stafford walks down there. Well, that was an awesome finish down there for two teams that are probably out of the conversation completely for anything that really matters. Oh, but boy, dude. it was an awesome. Maybe the Lions get hot. I yeah. love the Lions. Maybe they get never. hot. But that that game was insane last night down or yesterday down there. Yeah, the, the Lions proved to us that we we've known this all along that the Lions are finishers. They know how to finish a ball game. They can they can really stick the nail in the coffin when they need to. The thing about the Lions is they have the greatest fourth quarter coach in the history of fourth quarters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? I mean, we don't have to rub it in. We got to win. Let Detroit be happy. You don't have to rub it what in. We're not rubbing. Rubbing. building Come you up. Fox. This is not satire, Cuz. Yeah. This is the truth. Okay. Typical Lions. We said man. on Friday last week they win. They should probably re up patricia well, yeah. yeah that's yeah. what we said five years he's got to make the playoffs we got the colts now off a of bias is very interesting but i do think we've won two in a row we can win six more in a row at this point make the playoffs 10 and six we can points. possibly win six more and then there's one game who's the game against Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Oh, <laughs> so you're of already yeah, so there's, there's no, no chance way. in the nfc north then because <laughs> No, but that's not our expectations. Our expectations were not to win the no, NFC North. No, the our expectations Packers. are to go ten and yeah. six and win a playoff what, game. What, what do you mean go to the playoff? Like when someone says, "Like, hey, we our, our goal is a playoff berth." That's <laughs> what, so. Your my goal is to lose my first game in the playoffs. No, we got to win a playoff game. I'm 26 <laughs> years old. I haven't seen I a playoff win. AJ, it's been since 1991. Okay, the Foxy. Lions haven't won a playoff. I respect you being realistic with your goal setting. So playoff win. So okay, we're just going to get beaten in the second round of the playoffs. That's our goal. Though. Oh, we're going to have even bigger hopes and aspirations for this team because we've already proven that we can get a win in playoffs. So let's go ahead and cut it off here so we don't get too heartbroken later on down the road. Yeah, that's a, that literally is our Super Bowl is winning a playoff game. I'll put it there. Wow, okay. that's. Huh. I understand. I mean, it, it would show. It would absolutely show progress, and that's what you want to see in any franchise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes. I, want, I want Matt Patricia to win a goddamn Super Bowl there. <laughs> <laughs> so bad, because he's been fired, what, like 10 times up there? Mm-hmm. He shows up on his ATV, people are looking at him funny, and then he shows up at our interview thing, Super Bowl week. Awesome conversation. I mean, uh, he let us into their building. He started drawing on a on a table with a dry erase marker, a new play he was thinking. I mean, I love Matt Patricia as a human. As a head coach, I could see how if he was the head coach of the team I was a fan of, you could potentially turn on him. But if he goes and just does this thing, good for him, and most importantly, good for Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew well Stafford said. deserves it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you better hope. Well, th- that's the problem, though. They're going to be showing like a highlight film. You know the official DVDs they sell if you win the Super Bowl for that team <laughs> that they run right after the game? Mm-hmm. They're going to have clips from this show of Foxy firing <laughs> Patricia nine times before week three. This guy. Fans had turned on him. The city had turned <laughs> on him. Cut to a clip of, we're going to lose 16 straight yet again. <laughs> and then we're going to be, and what did the Lions do? Like the American Lions in the mountains of Provo, Utah. <laughs> they stalked their prey for far too long and finally got a dub at the end of the day. I'm proud. I'm proud of the Lions, man. That was a fun game to watch. Oh, yeah. Because that's a game that that's a game the Lions lose. Oh yeah. Just like you said about the Cardinals uh Seahawks, that was a game the Seahawks win. That was a game that the Lions lose every single time. Mm-hmm. To be on the other side of that had to be awesome. When Matt Stafford gets that ball back, Matthew Stafford gets that ball back with under a minute left. I think everybody potentially outside of Detroit was like, okay. 
He's got a chance to go on a run here. Everybody in Detroit was already like, pick six somehow. We're going to lose this even worse <laughs> than over. it already is. Game's already over. We're supposed to win this. Game. 26 was probably on the other side. The Falcons are like, Falcons fans are like, oh, we for sure are losing this. Like, soon as soon as they uh, Detroit got the ball back, Falcons fans knew they were losing that game. As soon as Todd fell one <laughs> yep. ball into <laughs> the end zone, they were like, it's over. Fucking football gods are going to kill us now. And there was a classic photo of the Lions defense actually signaling, like, ref, that's a touchdown. <laughs> and Todd Gurley's in the end zone. It was awesome. That's going to be used, like, Five years from now, oh, yeah. remember back whenever they were almost winning and the defense was celebrating other teams scoring. <laughs> I mean, somebody would take it out of proportion. Hey, What's up? No, I know. Quickly, I know Gurley said that he's so mad at himself or whatever. Did they ask any, Did anyone talk about, like, what was the communication like before the play? In the huddle, someone's got to be like, hey, man, we all know, like, there's no – they're probably going to let you score. You got to go down, right? Like, it, do you think everyone assumed it was known? What did you What did you guys call it? No boss in the huddle? What was that call? Uh, yeah, I think it was no moss. Yeah, so we only had to do it a few times. It's hard to get everyone on board. That's what I'm saying. Like, because you got to say it in a fashion that the uh, offense doesn't no, hear you. you. And the, guys getting mad and start yelling, I want to fight you. I'm like, bro, I'm just relaying the call. It's coming into my head. It's coming into my head. Let this dude home. score. And then you got to act as if you're not letting them score, but you still got to let them score. It's a weird play. Uh, Did you guys ever practice it? Like, was it something that was practiced? Yeah, I'm sure we did a few times. Yeah, we did because the the offense would always work on on Fridays. They would do the old deal where you drop back in the end zone. Aaron would run all around all over town, and then he finally just throw it in the air, and they would take a holding call or whatever. To I don't know. You remember who who did that a while ago, three, four, five years ago? Uh, a punter did it. You're talking about a slow safety. Yeah, we they would work. Out, yeah, we would work. You know, Fridays are usually the day you work on all that kind of weird stuff like that, two point plays, all that. I had an awesome slow safety that I wanted them to call. So let's say there's uh, 13 seconds left, fourth down. Uh, they've called a timeout. We have to punt at that point. We're out in the middle of the field, like 35-40 or something like that. We have to punt, right, because they stopped the clock. We're up uh, two, whatever it is. There was a play that we drew up that – I don't want to say we drew up. I, I pitched the idea after seeing uh, we were practicing on a quarterback rollout to the right, then throw as high as far as you can. It burns like nine seconds, ten seconds off the clock or whatever. So I pitched. Couldn't I do that from the punter position, right? Couldn't you snap that to me? I could turn around, or we're up three, right? Have to give up a safety, so we're up three at this point. I turn around and just start running towards the end zone, right? And I can see on the jumbotron <laughs> if anybody's behind me. Then I, once I get to the end zone, can throw crow hop as high as I can out of the back of the end zone, and the clock doesn't stop until it hits the ground. I could probably burn 30, 40 seconds if I really wanted to. At least. <laughs> okay, so I'm pitching this idea. I'm like, okay, this is what I do. Because unless they're – are they coming for the block? Cool. Just have our keep the offensive line out there. I don't give a fuck. Just have whoever you got to do. I got a 15 yard head start. Now we proved DK Metcalf proved last night that that is not enough against people, and I understand that. I'm very self aware that it's not going to be enough <laughs> for me to run. But I think I could just catch the 15 yard snap, turn, run, and then whenever somebody gets close, I'll huck it up over the field goal net, and whenever it lands, that's when the clock stops. I was like, I think 15 seconds, no problem at all. We practiced it one time. I crow hopped and threw that thing. It was the farthest ball I've ever thrown in my entire life. Went into the woods behind the fucking thing. And I was like, I don't think the ground, the ball is hit yet. Clock's still running. And they were like, uh, well, we'll put it in the playbook. <laughs> Never called it. Never, ever called it. We practiced slow safeties every single week, fast safeties every single week. None of it ever happened. Never, ever got a chance to do it. The slow safety is the one where... You know, uh, you saw Sam Cook do it in the Super Bowl against the Niners. Take the snap, you run to the corner of an end zone, then you step out before you get hit or whatever. 
we practiced it one time, like the first time in training camp. And I was just dicking around. I didn't know somebody was really going to come. And the guy like got real close to me. And I'm like, whoa, shit. Like I hopped out of bounds. And Chuck's like, don't you even let them touch you. Because if you fumble that, could you fucking fathom you fumble that? <laughs> they score a touchdown. I'm like, Chuck, have a little bit of faith. I'll be able to get out of the way. He was like, that guy's not going to make our team. He almost just got you. <laughs> Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show. The fact that you allow us to penetrate your ear holes is something that we are so incredibly grateful for. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please be a friend and tell a friend. If you don't like the show, just act like it never happened. Just say, hey, you know what? Didn't enjoy that. Thought, insert name of gripe here. Or thought, insert this here. Just act like it never happened. But if you love this show, tweet us. Tell us about it. Be part of our community. We appreciate you so, so much. We'll be back tomorrow for guess what? Hmm. Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Yes. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers seems to be playing at the level he played for the first four weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. Looks like last week may have been an anomaly. Well, he was getting questions from media. What are you going to do now that defenses have figured your, de or your offense out? And what did he do? He just... One out of five, huh? Just fucking dominated the Texans yesterday. Almost put J.J. Watt to quit, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And J.J. Watt, by the way, great football player and everything like that. And the Texans are not a franchise that you're thinking, you know what, they're going to win a Super Bowl. But thought they'd be able to put up a little bit more of a fight because of the Romeo Cornell and the firing of Billy O and all that. Aaron Rodgers said, nah, nah, me and Devontae Adams are going to have 700 yards for your touchdowns. No big deal. Yeah, usually going into those games, I get kind of where at no point in that game did it feel like the Packers weren't just going to continue to blow their doors off. Big spike game for Aaron yesterday. Mm -hmm. And we knew he was going to win. Which is great. So I ho hopefully the media somehow, you know, find some holes in his game, keep talking shit, pissing him off. He can just keep going. That would be great if we could figure out a way for the media to tell him he stinks somehow. Yeah, it would, it would be. Anyways, he'll be here tomorrow. Also some other guests, I think. I'm not 100% sure. Big ones. A couple, yeah, pretty. I mean, Rodgers is obviously a huge name, but the guys coming before him also, <laughs> yeah, pretty sterling. In their names, we, we don't want to – giveaway right now no that's a tease all right ty please play some independent music we'll see y'all motherfuckers tomorrow for aaron Rodgers tuesday this has been the pat mcafee show 2.0 be a friend tell a friend cheers